podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everyone, welcome to the greatest podcast in the Alpha Quadrant. That's right, it's Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. And I'm Andy. Mm-hmm. No? No? Not close? <laughs> it was a little... <laughs> Why not? It was short. It was aggressive. Uh, it was short no, aggressive. it wasn't aggressive. It wasn't aggressive. It was... Um, I'm trying to think of a word for... Uh, <laughs> Give me give me a poll quote for my review for the newspaper. Uh, <laughs> this week's Andy's uh, introduction was. This isn't a poll quote. This is a full review. Oh, well, I, but you're you're going to pull the quote. I mean, I have to write the full review. Oh, I now I have to select which part of the insulting review it's going to put go in the newspaper. It wasn't. I didn't mean for it to be insulting. I, 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 I the word I was looking for was like um, tightly coiled. Tightly coiled. Yeah. Tense. Yeah, like a little like... Are you uh, getting a trying too hard? Is that what you're saying? No. Because I'm not uh, going to disagree with that. You tried hard, and it was quick. <laughs> I tried hard, and it was quick. Quick yes. and trying too hard. The That's best things to make comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Andy Secunda promise. I'll try hard, and it won't take long. <laughs> You'll uh, be through my desperation <laughs> pretty fast. Um... Yeah, Chain of Command Part 1, Andy. What uh, toward the force of an episode, and I suppose I shall answer the following question. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Yeah, duh. I feel, I, like also I feel like that's bleeding through, and I'm hearing it in my... Yeah, I got some kind of weird reverb. I don't know if they're hearing it. Yeah, it is bleeding into... Oh, I'm going to guess. Guys, do you think Matt can figure this out? <laughs> well, tune in and find out. You did three or four other podcasts before this. Uh, this is the third one this weekend. Third one this weekend. I and see. it is Sunday night. Why don't you set them all up the same? What do you mean? I don't know. Technically, it seems like you always have to make a million adjustments. Like, uh, Well, like because Jordy, the Jordy computer the for our podcast to operate correctly... Uh, mm. It's a very specific set of variables, and then when I want to use my computer as a computer, <laughs> I see I have to like unplug everything and sure. So yeah, I mean there are days when we go in a row and I don't touch my computer except for recording. But uh, yeah, sure. we we last recorded on uh, Thursday. Too busy jamming. Yeah, that's what I do here. I just jam, Andy. You know, I just jam. Mm. Sure, just, just yeah. jamming. Just jam. You know, just jam. I just jam. <laughs> I just let the music take me wherever it's going to take me, you know? Uh-huh. That's what I do. I wonder if the Canadian. music can take me into the Admirals Club right now. Let's find out. I'm just going to jam. Go to leave a five-star review and join the Admirals Club. Oh, boy. It's Matt. the Admirals Club. How do they get in here? Oh, well, it's pretty simple. You head over to Apple Podcasts. You leave a five-star review. You can write it uh, whatever words you feel like writing. Nope, no problems here, as long as it's five stars. So if you really if you want to insult us, 
but also write a five star review meaning like make it five stars these guys sucked five stars no problem you're in the admirals club and we'll pick out a couple people to read on the show andy who's this week Got a nice variation this week. Uh, the first is from Shelly Gentle, who writes, Not the cool kids. <laughs> Matt and Andy may not be the cool kids in the Star Trek podcasting world, but they who, are the ones who are? want to hang out with the most. That's what I was... I, th- it's, I would accept not, not the cool kids in the podcasting world, for sure. <laughs> but Star Trek podcasting world is an interesting distinction. I mean, I <laughs> guess if you're, like, if you're taking like uh, Garrett Wang and uh, well, that, Robbie, sure, Robbie yes. McNeil, yes, well, then yeah, they're course. the cool... Obviously, Paris and Kim, they're the cool yeah. kids. But if you're not uh, counting them... I need to know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess, can... I guess Alice. <laughs> I guess yeah, Trex they're, cooler, I guess than they're cooler They're much yeah. cooler than us. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, every time I think about it, we're just going to drop another. another one, we we're just going to drop another run. <laughs> so, hmm. you point, know what? I'm point just, taken. Point I'm taken. Just hoping, and agreed. I'm hoping to, to climb to the middle. That's all I'm looking for. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, he or she continues, uh, they clearly love Star Trek, are knowledgeable enough to be informative without being annoying, call out the show when it's bad, and keep up with Patty Yasutake's pay rate better than anybody. <laughs> it's Matt and Andy, come on. Uh, I have got to guess that that's Patty's first mention in a podcast review. I wonder. I mean, maybe think, she, maybe you she's don't been, think any of the cooler ones mentioned her. No, I bet she's been guests on shows and probably uh-huh. got mentions there. But on a show she's never been a guest on, I guarantee you that's the first time she's been mentioned mm, in a be review. Very interesting. Who? How uh, else would that happen? I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't turn my nose up at a Patty Yasutake uh, segment if she's willing to. Um, it would be so funny if record we, something. If we, Maybe we should get her to record a five. We a, should under just, or over five. We should just. We should bring her in and like ask her four questions. <laughs> Occasionally five. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. You get the lower rate today. That's the fun. Um, the next Admirals Club admittee is Aravani seventy seven. Aravani seventy seven, uh, who writes best podcast done in a starship hallway. <laughs> Came to uh, the all you can eat shrimp bar, but stayed for the conversation. Five Andes. Wow. And, uh, yeah. I don't the know if you one. can equate Andes to stars. I hope they also said they also made it five stars. Oh, good, good question. I mean, and are they know. is is that person giving us five out of ten Andes? <laughs> oh my God, that's so true. Um, and the last one is from Johnny Va, uh, and it's one of my favorite entries that I've seen. What's this podcast about? Love the podcast. Been listening since season one. Every time I have trouble sleeping, this pod puts me right to sleep. It's amazing. I've never heard the dialogue before. The calming hum of the nasally guy and the whiny lady are the perfect pair. (laughs) (laughs) That's very funny. Boy, did I have a good laugh at that one. I'm sure they're nice people, but when, when you care to get to know them. But to be honest... They just don't seem very interesting. And then he has, in, or he, yes, he has in parentheses, bird of praise, P R A I S E. Bird of praise. <laughs> oh, that's very funny, also. I enjoyed that review. I, I have to assume, 
I am the whiny lady. But uh, <laughs> I would say that that those descriptions I don't know. equally apply to either of us. I, 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 you're, you're pretty nasally sometimes. That's true. That's what I'm saying. The nasally guy and the whiny lady. Maybe he just thinks I'm the nasally guy and the whiny lady. <laughs> you're both. You're both. Anyway, that's, that's interesting. It for the Admirals Club. All right, Andy. It's time to continue to walk through the doors uh, and head in to the President's Circle. The United Federation of Planets President's Circle. How do you get into this magnificent circle? Well, it's very easy. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and you support the podcast at the president's level. Then you'll be welcome in here. A lot of perks coming with this uh, from the shrimp platter all the way down to the other shrimp platter. That's right. Two shrimp platters in the president's <laughs> circle. Full. Uh, oh, you can eat shrimp platters. Uh, not full. I mean, they're not always going to be full. We're not constantly restocking the shrimp. <laughs> anyway. What kind of service is there in here? <laughs> uh, but re- in reality, you will get uh, four podcasts a month currently. We do extra for uh, presidents. Uh, that's you guys who decide to support the show. And uh, not only do you get that, you get priority one access to messages. So when you hear hails on the show, those hails up top, those are all patrons. So join them. Be like them and get more of us. If you sleep and need us to put you there, we can put you there with four additional podcasts every (laughs) month. Uh, But we also like to single out a particularly enjoyable hail from the President's Circle and give them a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Andy, who's the recipient this week? This week, uh, I, I got to say, I had trouble choosing, and so I took the coward's way, way out, and I picked five. Whoa! Um, Do we bring enough medals? Uh, I, I can replicate some. <laughs> or is that, is that uh, not honorable to, to give a replicated medal? Is that I, uh, I, devalue I, I, it? I have to think that they're all replicated. Yeah, I have to assume so, too. These are all on the same topic, which is uh, last week we had a hail that was sort of uh, raising the question of uh, whether our um, uh, discussions of uh, Counselor Troy and oh, right. the thing that so, I was like I, the thing that I was like I should go back and cut that <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I was so tired from work that I was like eh, whatever <laughs> you gotta be you it's it's all raw and uncut here for for good or for ill uh, whatever the case these were the various. Uh, perspectives that were shared um, uh, is from uh, Kathleen R. Guzman. Uh, oh wait, Lieutenant. she says Guzman, Guzman, and her husband says Guzman, so it's Guzman. Kathleen R. Guzman. Wait, uh, so hey. uh, hang on, let me just break that down for you. Okay, or help me break it down. Okay, you're saying that her husband and she pronounce their last name differently? Yes. Is this akin to the time you didn't remember how your last name was pronounced? It's slightly less embarrassing than that. I'm guessing Guzman is is his name, but maybe maybe they're uh, maybe they're you know reasonably uh, enlightened. Well, you know that's uh, you know there is that's funny because like my grandmother, her maiden name was Cardoza. Uh huh. Great name. Uh. And. Uh, an uncle, my uncle, was a Cardosa, za and sa. <laughs> Interesting. But it was the, the 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 difference was Spanish 
and yeah. Portuguese. Oh wow! I didn't realize you had. So it you'd from pronounce me. it differently. How many? How many slices of you are? How uh, many slices of me or what? What do you need to I don't know? know Latino, Spanish. The half of me is sliced that way. Half of you, okay. So yeah. it's just that half, and then the other half. Well, is... yeah, but then my mom, yeah, uh, Portuguese and Italian, yeah. right? Like that's the swath, the 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 largest swath. Like I've done the twenty three and me, and it is a very mixed on that side. But yeah. I'm clearly f- exactly fifty percent Spanish, Greek, Cuban. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to take a look at that twenty three and me. It still doesn't. I still don't buy that you're not slightly Jewish, like myself. Uh, you know, you and Avishai Shafir feel the same way. Um, just based on the 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 whiny nasally quality that we both share. Um, okay, here we go. Hey, I'm a woman, and I'd like to weigh in on the topic of Troy and Crusher bashing. Short answer doesn't bother me. Long answer. I understand that Matt and Andy are commenting on the writing of the show and not the women. They've made that very clear. They've said the women characters deserve better than they got. I do get bummed out when their opinions differ from mine, like when they hate an episode I loved as a child, but that doesn't stop me from listening. Uh, I never really connected to many of the women characters growing up, so listening to uh, Matt and Andy uh, bash, in quotes, how Troy and Crusher are poorly written doesn't bother me at all. In fact, it explains why I never cared for them growing up. The poor writing is why I probably ended up gravitating toward male characters over female characters. In case you're wondering, Data was my favorite character in TNG. Maybe I'm a mechophile like Jordy. I ended uh, up studying computer science in college, or maybe I like the idea of not having to deal with emotions. Uh, There's an emoticon there. Interesting. I I think it's um, the emoticon for for female, but I, I can't tell. Um... In DS9, my favorite character was Odo because shapeshifting oh, is cool. We should also mention Andy's emoji blind. <laughs> I'm emoji blind. I can't say it. So many times an emoji will come up to me and say hello, and I'll be like, I know this emoji from somewhere. <laughs> uh, your dollar sign's eyes tongue out? No. I'm sad. <laughs> oh, no. In DS9, my favorite character was Odo because shapeshifting is cool. In Voyager, it was Tom Paris because I had a crush on him. I was 11 when that show started. In Enterprise, it was Trip, not the British one. I had a crush on him, too. I, I agree with all of those except for Trip. <laughs> Trip, I, I can't see. Um, that's me. <laughs> Trip, um, I, honestly, we're still, we're still getting to know those guys over there. Yeah, so. maybe, maybe, maybe he takes a turn later on in the series. Uh, for for now, my money's on. I mean, yeah, obviously Archer, but you know, my money uh, would be on uh, on Malcolm. Hey, as a side note, uh, inter- in- interrupting. You know what? I'm not going to do it. I'll talk about it at the end. Uh, <laughs> You're never going to remember. Uh, I didn't care for Bellana because she was loud and angry. Uh, I, th- I don't know how you're listening <laughs> to this podcast. Then <laughs> I thought Seven of Nine was cool because she's part robot. Uh, Uh, but i never understood why she wore such tight clothes it didn't seem borg like to me i like dax she was fine well they tried to explain it canonically right they tried to explain it in the show like it was like it was was like a life support thingamajiggy but there was never an explanation (laughs) given as to why she wouldn't just throw a uniform on over it (laughs) yeah (laughs) um t'pal annoyed me she was too emotional for a vulcan and again uh, with tight clothes and Hoshi, uh, the whole being scared of space travel thing felt too damselly to me. 
I was so excited to see an Asian woman on TV because I'm part Asian. Then I see her freaking out and insecure about translating alien languages and relying on the universal translator. I felt like this is not the role model I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. For the record, I'm not opposed to women characters being emotional. I didn't care for how it was written for these particular characters when I was growing up. Some of my feelings have changed over time as I rewatched all the shows, but I'm not going to get into that. All that being said, Matt, Andy, you guys make me laugh, so we're cool. Sincerely, Kathleen Guzman. Thank you uh, for the message, Kathleen. Uh, I did have a question for her. In re- read the top half, the top, the beginning uh, two sentences of her email. Post the the name pronunciation thing. Post that. Uh, I understand that Matt and Andy are commenting on the writing and not the women. They mm-hmm. they made that very clear. They said that the women characters deserve better than what they got. I do get bummed out when their opinions differ from mine, like when they hate an episode. Ah, of Loved yes, as a child. that was it. I have I've got a question. If you loved an episode as a child, do you rewatch it with us or do you just listen to us and listen to the clips? Because if you're listening to us and listening to the clips, your your love of it as a child could probably still hold up. I would like to know if you've rewatched it and you feel the same way about it. Wait, why would it still hold up just listening to the clips? Because we're only playing clips, we're not playing the whole thing. Yeah, but they're still listening to our opinions. That's what. Yeah, yeah. Our opinions are our, our, our. We're sharing our opinions, but only playing clips. But if she were to yeah. sit down and rewatch the entire episode, I'm wondering if she would still feel like she liked it. But isn't her point that in hearing the opinions, it colors her experience? Or well, at least he, no. She's saying even when my opinions differ. Like, she loved an episode oh, as a yeah, child. That's true. We start talking about the episode. I don't know if she's seen it since she was a child. This is my question. Yes. Yeah, I guess she's not saying it colors it. She's saying yes. it, no, bums, it doesn't color bums her out that we're not agreeing that yeah, we like it. It doesn't the same ruin thing. her right. enjoyment of the show. Yeah. That was my question. Anyway, she feels like, um, uh, you know what? She, she's the president uh, circle? Sure. These are all uh, president circles. Then, you, don't uh, get a, you don't get a pike medal if you're not in president hit circle. Me, uh, hit me. Hit, hit, uh, answer this in the Discord. Send me a message in the Discord. Thank you. Oh, we're setting up a Discord. Yeah, we, uh, we, have we, a... we already set it up. It's set up. Well, I guess I'm saying we're starting to use it. Have you been using it? Uh, I used it the first day, and this I haven't is checked what we're, it since. This is what we're discussing. You were talking big like you were going to be watching. Well, I wanted the, to do it with, when I was like having their... to watch something I didn't want. But I anticipate everyone next week, which is uh, you'll hear this probably middle of this week. So you'll hear this probably like September 1st or 2nd. Uh... I'm anticipating the week after that, Labor Day, Monday, and following, that I will be in there watching at least two episodes of Trek while I have to get ready for this podcast. So, And we resolve to have this be a president's level bonus yeah, it's just a president's their level, money's worth. It's a president's level perk. It's like a third shrimp tray. Here was the other thing I was going to say. Um, that is this I, something I we need to discuss it. now in the president's circle, or is this like an off-air, let's figure out? <laughs> no, I was just going to say oh. that in in reference because she was talking about Enterprise, uh, I feel like in both the last Enterprise at the lieutenant's level and in the Voyager, at Enterprise, just because it's sort of you're going back to a beginning of another show and seeing how they're dealing with you know characters like Vulcans or in, in uh, Voyager, um, the Doctor, I feel like we've had what I believe to be some interesting conversations that were sort of extended on like what Vulcans are in the Star Trek universe uh, and maybe debates about it and uh, and in terms of artificial intelligence and how the doctor compared to to data so uh, yeah, FYI if you, if you want some heady deep 
probably repetitive <laughs> discussion and argument. It might all be redundant. That's that is that is where you need to go because we are hitting many hours of talk over there. Okay, Lieutenant Danielle Hull writes us Troy Crusher critique. Hello, Andy. Uh, posted in the Patreon chat, I uh, wanted to give my take on two things. Uh, the episode Outcast from the point of view of my transgender son and the Troy Crusher criticism. First, uh, my son was home for summer break and is way behind on TNG. He is now a senior at Kansas City Art Institute studying stop motion animation. Awesome. Which is awesome. So awesome. I used to do that when I was a kid or a teenager. Uh, loved it. So or, how, or 30. It doesn't matter. Or 30. Or last week. <laughs> <laughs> I would be happy to make more stop motion right now. If only I had the time sitting at home alone, <laughs> not being able to see another human being. Oh, that'd be so funny that a giant cat comes in the middle of a frame and you're like, ah, damn <laughs> oh, it. No. Oh, my city. <laughs> I got to start over. <laughs> um, anyway, so we tried to get uh, him, her son, caught up. On TNG, and maybe he'll catch up with TNC as well. Uh, he loved the outcast. He thought it was very progressive uh, for the time period to have a point of view of a gender-neutral person, mm-hmm. along with the dangers of conversion therapy. He felt it was very representative of how he feels being born in a body that doesn't match how his brain feels about mm-hmm. his gender. Uh, I thought this was very interesting. Um, second... As a woman, I don't find your talk about Troy and Crusher offensive at all. You didn't write the characters. I find it as humorous as all of Andy's theories, like Wesley being evil, Riker being in love with Picard, Jordy being a mechophile, etc. Could the characters have been stronger, more competent women? Of course. But that was the writers, and you and Andy are just making fun of what is there, as you do with everything that's written. They absolutely could have done more with Troy uh, than mind rape her repeatedly or use her empathic powers only when it's convenient to the storyline, but it's a 30-year-old show. The humor true. of your podcast is why I keep coming back. You got something? No, I was saying true. It is a 30-year-old show. <laughs> um, don't change. However, Andy, there are a lot of... Po- <laughs> this is a separate point. However, Andy, there are a lot of polyamorous people in the world. Troy and Riker's, Ricard's relationship is progressive in that it uh, in that respect, especially for the age of the show. There aren't. There are many people who have no problem with their significant others being in romantic relationships. In the Outcast, it seems like if it's a casual encounter, they probably don't discuss it. But when it becomes more serious, uh, like Riker was feeling for Soren, they sit down and talk about what that means for them. That's a good representation of polyamory. Thanks for all you do and stay safe as you head back to filming again. Danielle Hall. He's only heading back to filming, Danielle. Oh, Secunda, unemployed. Andy's now uh, futzing with some blinds, uh, ignoring the sunset. He's saying, go away, son. I'm talking about Star Trek. (laughs) The sun is about... I tried to close the blinds before, and then it it sneakily bounced off the mirror. But it seems like, yeah. Oh, I was wondering how you were getting sun from the side of the the room that has no window. (laughs) There you go. Hey, he did it, everyone. Andy can see Um, clearly now. Yeah, and I uh, I don't remember exactly what I said about polyamory, but I do remember you are reacting you like are a, very in a fuddy duddy. So. You are very befuddled by their relationship. <laughs> yeah, constantly. I'm I'm very interested to hear about it, and uh, I respect everyone's lifestyle, um, as long as it doesn't harm anyone. Um, okay, Jess, uh, Lieutenant Jess, who is attracted to Andy. 
Um, <laughs> I feel that some of the Troy, I didn't, that's not my name I'm making up. That's that's the name that's listed. Uh, I feel that, so, that would be really sad. Amazing if he was not above, not, not above me. It's, it's something that uh, is po- theoretically possible that I would do, but I did not do it in this case. Uh, Jess says, I feel that some of the Troy Crusher versus Worf issue is that the scripts usually take the time to remove Worf somehow when he would be the quick solution, making him seem more powerful in his absence. Troy and Crusher are very seldom removed, seldom removed, and so we see all the missed opportunities and incompetence. The only allowances that are made are some species that Troy can't read or the transporter not being able to filter out some diseases. Can you imagine if a security team was sent a threat uh, and Worf was just like, sorry, Klingons can't hit Secundans. Just doesn't work on them. <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> we just can't. They're the only species we can't hit. <laughs> They're too sad. Can't our, hit something our, that's sad. Our fists phase through them. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be great. Be like Kitty Pride. The only unexplained Worf incompetence that comes to mind is playing baseball. Also, I like the beard talk. I'm hopeful that the future military is more open to beards. Hardly be uh, any beards make someone look worse, in my opinion. Of course, I may be biased as my dad grew a beard before I was born, and I've never seen his full face. <laughs> Did your dad grow his beard before... You were born, Matt? Uh, no, when I was really young, he did not have a beard. And then for most... Oh, that's right, because it was during TNG. Your most mom... of my childhood, he had a beard, yeah, like uh, 98% of it. Um, I agree with most of what you're saying, Jess, other than I do feel like there are some, some prime examples of Worf. Well, like to... Him taking his gun away. To her him point, a to her point. But that's, that's her, what she's saying. What She's saying that the writers take the time to go, Worf is not effective here because this. And I think the problem with Crusher and Troy is they'll often just not have Troy in the episode. What about when they just, those <laughs> the guys that are, uh, just took his guns away? What about? They were just standing next to him and they just took his gun away. I think in the. Yeah, in the well, other, that was like, we'll episode. at least show you why he's not shooting anybody. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's at least it's at least an effort that is never made. Like often, we'll be like, "Is Troy in this episode? Why what about she when he episode? misses the Ferengi?" That's them take, making the effort to draw a beam that came out of his phaser that missed, and then he got hit by a phaser uh, by a disruptor. That's mm. that's what she's saying. She's saying that Troy at least they explain it. Uh, and so we see all the missed opportunities and incompetence. But isn't the isn't her point about the that her her skills don't work like Troy's skills don't work on um, alien species? Isn't that an example of a? That's when they bother to do it. Oh, the only allowances. I see. I got it. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Matt. I I really shouldn't have given that that's your name. I really should. This is I think this is exemplary of uh, how I do uh, how I stayed alone as long as I have. Is uh, I took the woman whose name is Jessica Attracted Andy, and that's the one I'm nitpicking. <laughs> um, it's on me. It's uh, not even nitpicking. You just you just you just read all the words, know. but only yeah. picked out the ones you liked. <laughs> I processed the whole thing. Uh, Lieutenant Catherine Novacek writes uh, to preface this I just want to say that I love these characters Crusher especially 
uh, emoticon I can't read, um, and actors, uh, but I feel like the whole Worf-Troy-Crusher issue should be laid solely on the original writers. Worf, as written and shown in some episodes, is a badass Klingon warrior who spends all his time doing... Uh, a time fighting sims in the holodeck we're also told that he wins fighting competitions on a regular basis and yet we never get to see him succeed at his job or even suggestions it's weird and feels oddly racist either to klingons black people or both troy and crusher on the other hand were never written with that much with even that much detail they were basically written quite sexist sexistly at that as token female caregivers and incompetent ones to boot I'm guessing so the male leads could either come to the rescue or ultimately solve the problem. This always pissed me off when I was young because in the few chances she was given, Crusher was a kick-ass, a kick-ass tactician mm-hmm. who I think should have been head of security uh, <laughs> in Suspicions, <laughs> which so is one of my faves. We're going to ignore you know. your uh, medical prowess and uh, you're just a tactician. <laughs> Well, she says, in Suspicions, it'll demonstrate her as a laughably bad doctor, but an incredible investigator. That is is true. I look forward to that one. Because of all the inconsistent writing, we bash those that are shown to be bad at their jobs and feel bad for those who are never allowed to succeed. In closing, be nice to Matt and Andy. It's not their fault that the writers were sexist. Um... I did not uh, handpick these, by the way. These were all of the one, all, all of the uh, people that wrote in that were women. Um, so you in did regards to this issue. Them. I, I, handpicked, <laughs> I handpicked the women out of them. I, so, was, <laughs> I mean, you're saying you didn't handpick them, but you did. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I, uh, I, I, mis, I misstated my, my, uh, the, the situation. I apologize. Uh, and the last uh, Christopher Pike Medal of Honor. Medal of Valor. Valor. They were given out today. It's to Lieutenant Stephanie Simmons, who writes, Hi, Andy and Matt. I have been meaning to write in for a while about the conversations you all have on the podcast about Crusher and Troy. So after the, last, after the email from last week's episode, finally I'm writing. I won't lie. When Andy first came up with the Beverly's an incompetent doctor and Wesley's behind it all theory, I was pretty angry. Beverly has always represented a strong, competent female character who was shown to be the top of her field while also being a mother and having romantic relationships. For a long time, women weren't shown to be able to be multifaceted people who could be on uh, be more than one thing. Also, Troy was a character I valued because her empathic abilities were her strength. She didn't have to pretend to be someone other than who she was in order to do her job. As I've continued to listen to the episodes, I have actually come around on the way you guys talk about the characters. I realized that you aren't insulting the characters themselves, but you are rightly criticizing uh, the writers for not knowing what to do with strong female characters, a problem that has existed forever, really. I do appreciate that you are critical of that, and honestly, that you can uh, recognize it. Not all men can. Uh, Even though I can see where you're coming from, some of the jokes do still do sting. It can be hard to hear since historically female characters have basically been jokes or one-dimensional characters. I do appreciate you pointing out when they do the characters justice justice, and have good episodes. Love you all and the pod, and I'm hoping, I hope having another perspective on this is helpful. P.S. None of this applies to Sub Rosa. Please make fun of it when you get to it. It's the worst. <laughs> oh, we will. Season 7. And Beverly and a ghost. Thank you uh, all. Pike Medal of Valor winners. Uh, congratulations. Uh, sorry we could only replicate four medals. 
Uh, so one of you will have to be the Chewbacca. Uh, yeah. We're into the Priority One messages, pal. Okie dokie. Boom. Oh, shoot. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Go ahead. I was going to say, who's hailing us, Andy? Uh, Lieutenant Neil Studd is. Uh, he says, this episode featured one of my Star Trek pet peeves, the 10 minutes to lethal radiation levels countdown. <laughs> radiation exposure isn't a binary state. If you're rescued when you're only seconds away from a lethal dose of radiation, shouldn't you still require a long period of discovery regardless of medical advances? Valid point, Neil. <laughs> yes. Also, that is one of Star Trek's favorite ticking clocks. Radiation. The radiation lethal exposure. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lieutenant Daniel Brown wrote us, I uh, wonder what the original intention was behind the character of Dr. Farallon. As you said, obviously the creation of sapient life is a far more important accomplishment than whatever uh, this particle fountain would be, yet she refuses to even entertain the idea of the exocomps being alive. When I first, wa- when I first watched the episode, my read was that accepting that these machines were sapient would mean that she had been unknowingly killing intelligent beings for resisting the life she forced upon them as she repeatedly states that she has to wipe any exocomp system entirely once it starts behaving outside its programming this is of course a really dark interpretation of Farallon's characterization after listening to your episode i agree that the show and portrayal by the actress really seems more like she's just overcommitted herself in the work and can't see the forest for the trees but i do believe that horror and guilt of Dr. Farallon's unknowing actions would inevitably hit her at some point in the future. And I wonder if that scene was ever considered at some point in the writing process. It's the kind of dark, dramatic, character reveal, reevaluating scene that I think DS9 manages to pull off far better and more often than TNG. But that doesn't mean it was ever brought up in drafts in the TNG writer's room. Do you agree on that characterization of DS9 in comparison? Uh... I do. You know, it's going to be... I mean, I haven't... Let's be... I, I haven't probably rewatched DS9 in... Um, probably 10 years. Ooh, exciting. So, so when we be, get into it... It'll be it'll be really interesting when we, when we get to it. Some people that's... were pitching uh, the idea that we chronologically do this TNG DS9 now. Because yes. we're approaching the premiere of DS9. Right. And that was interesting to me. I remember the Captain's Log guys did it uh, that way. They went in, Cooler they went than in us. chronological rewatch order. Uh-huh. And I thought that was interesting. But I think you were the one that drew your line in the sand, but I'm flexible. Whatever you want to do. No, I mean, I, I, I mean I, it's interesting. So I, you know, I'll, I'll toss it out there. My my inclination is we were always planning on just doing all of TNG and then doing all of DS9. Um, so I think that's probably where we'll land. But I did think it was an interesting thought. Uh, I'm into chronological, uh, w- but if you don't want to, whatever you want to do is fine with me. Um, I have no point of reference, so I don't know which way would be better. That's the thing. Andy doesn't have a point of reference. 
no point of reference. I can't reference. He's, re- he's episode recognize. order blind too. He doesn't know. Recognize. <laughs> Matt usually has to t- talk to me for like twenty minutes just for me to figure out which episode I'm watching. Also, if you're not in the Patreon, you have you missed the greatest uh, segment of Andy uh, Secunda's claim to fame that has ever been recorded. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you want uh, to just tell them what I'm it was? not. I don't even want to ruin it for anybody. <laughs> oh, right. But it was yeah, quite it, possibly yeah. the greatest illustration of Andy's blatant disregard for faces. <laughs> that's that's not fair. <laughs> you're saying you're saying that's a conscious choice. I worked very hard and I still fail. Um, Chief Tactical Officer Troy Ray writes us, uh, Dr. Farallon's not a human being. You're ascribing human... Oh, this is in response to Daniel Brown. Dr. Farallon's not a human being. You're ascribing human characteristics to her. It's all good. That's our greatest strength. Uh, that's our great strength. Uh, see my post below. Um, oh, I see. Um, but nothing about her psychology uh, or culture indicates that they have the same respect for life that we do, especially artificial life. For all we know, based on this character, their entire society values mining more than anything. Maybe uh, they're like Tolkien's dwarves and their entire culture is built around mining. Uh, Winky face. That one I recognize. um, Because he typed it out. Um, And then uh, the other comment that he made was, uh, if someone was a newbie to Star Trek and wanted to know what it was all about, I'd be tempted to show them this episode. It has a lot of Star Trek messages built into it without even trying. Seek out new life? Check. Thoughtful consideration and discussion about the very definition of life. The human capacity for empathy shown by LaForge, Crusher, Picard, even Data is what enables the crew to recognize and discover this new form of life. Dr. Farallon calls it out in the episode, anthropomorph- in quotes, anthropomorphizing things. In the Star Trek universe, this is a trait that is unique to human beings. You'll learn more about this as you watch Enterprise. And I love that this trait is played up as a strength in the episode. The things that inspired me to write to you were Data and Dr. Crusher's conversations about the definition of life and Geordi's reaction when the exocomp seemingly failed. Dr. Farallon was like, are you going to say I told you so? And Geordi's like, actually, I was going to say we're willing to help in whatever way we can to help you succeed. And I thought, this is Star Trek. Uh, not to be a Borg incursion on our parade, but can you imagine... <laughs> These things on Discovery or Lower Decks or Picard, do you think that the apocryphal Section 31 show will be this aspirational? I can't. And that makes me sad. Uh, well, yeah, For oh, I've, I certainly can't imagine them devoting nearly as much time to the discussion. They have stuff like the Tardigrade where the issues are brought up. But, I mean, to your point... It seems very in service of this driving plot. Yeah. Well, and also in service the other way around. It's like a passing thing of like, oh yeah, we're Star Trek, so we have to like mention this. So let's do a couplet and, and call it. Right. In the meantime, let's get one character killed and have an emergency, and uh, we'll fire some phasers. It'll be great. And a lot of speeches. Let's have speeches. I like Lieutenant. speeches. I love speeches. Do you? On Star Trek, yeah. Well, you got the right show in disco then. Um, Lieutenant Raymond writes uh, or hails, uh, bringing viruses into the life debate is funny because viruses are in a a kind of gray uh, area between living and non-living. 
Viruses are a core of DNA slash RNA and some proteins in a protective coating. They don't do any metabolic, meta, uh, metabolic, metabolic, metabolic. Sorry, processes. And they also can't reproduce without invading a host cells and hijacking the cell's replication mechanisms to make copies of the virus. He's questioning my question of, uh, but what about viruses? Viruses are alive. <laughs> well, that's not your question. That's data brings that up. Does he? Yeah. I think he brings and up. And there are many air horns that were played as he insulted her. I thought he brought up the things about procreation no in the conference room i would like to remind you all we recorded this episode three days ago yeah uh in the conference room with dr uh far Fer- Fer- oh Fer- what's her name at oh i can't remember her name i just said it a minute ago permission to, that's so true permission uh, to speak candidly. actually i think i'm actually at the spot in the episode because we okay, went out we went out on the air horn last let's week let's do it if the possibility oh, it exists, was exactly there. How slight. Here we go. Indeed. Let's nice. bring it back. A difference between... Yep. I'll do it without the air horn this time. Okay. And I have nothing but the utmost respect and admiration for Dr. Sung's accomplishment. But his intention was to create an artificial life form. I created the exocomps to be tools. And there is a big difference between data and a tool. Doctor, <laughs> there is a big difference between you and a virus. But um, both are alive. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. I guess uh, uh, my intention horn. of bringing it up was that... Uh, Look, I think that uh, you just tried to take credit for Data. You just tried to take credit <laughs> for Data's dialogue, and, you know, I just won't have it, Andy. I won't have I it. I'm not actually, as smart as Data. I was arguing the reverse of what Data was arguing. Uh, I think he was using the comparison to uh, to say... That they're not the same. That you I, sh- I was, think he, he was, was he saying you should value viruses' lives? No, he wasn't. So that's what I was questioning. Oh, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not at this point in time. <laughs> um, of all points in time. Lieutenant James Maniero, I think, uh, writes, I like this episode a lot and agree with the other presidents. They're not presidents who suggested that this is a great episode representative of what Star Trek's all about. That said, the conversation between Picard, Data, and Dr. Farallon at the end of the episode is kind of insane to me. She's a scientist who's just found out that she accidentally created life. She might be about to become the most important and famous scientist in the Federation since Noonien Sung. Uh, But everyone's like, wow, sorry, it's a bummer your project developing mining equipment didn't work out. But hey, maybe the new life form you created will decide to keep working on it with you. It's crazy, right? Yeah, totally. Um, I wish we had like a cutaway of the exocomps in Picard being deactivated. (laughs) They were alive. Synthetic life was banned. Oh, yeah. Um, Andy, you just wistfully looked away. What, what's happening? I was visualizing it. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that have been something? It sure would have. Lieutenant Matt Fader uh, says, uh, hearing your memory beta jingle reminded me of a fun fact. The theme from TOS actually had lyrics. Gene Roddenberry wrote the lyrics, which were never intended to be used. Uh, it was apparently done so you could get a credit. 
you know about this then? Oh yeah, we talked um, about it on the show. Oh, we did. Yeah. Okay. There's a. But it was a long time ago. Very good. Um, and I found a uh, a uh, tenacious D version of it, which was delightful. Which we can <laughs> play or not play, it's your call. Um, if not, then we go right into the hell bag. I didn't even look in the today sounds portion of the show. I didn't put it there. I oh, I see. All right. Well then, the let's get out of here. Okay. Uh, and of course that means walking through yet another door to end up in a hallway because for some reason we've made nice rooms for everybody but us. <laughs> Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. We belong in the hallway, let's be honest. <laughs> Who's writing us, Andy? All the other Star Trek podcasts have their own conference rooms. Well, that's why they're uh, we're not the coolest kids. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, another uh, lady listener uh, from titled, A Lady Listener Responds to the Hail from Quality of Life. T. Berg, uh, Tess Berg. Uh, hi, Matt and Andy. Uh, just Andy in parentheses. No, this now nah, You made it all the way. It's to Matt, too. He's here in this one. Hi. Uh, <laughs> Last week, Quality of Life, you had a hail from a listener asking if you're potentially alienating female listeners because of the jokes about Crusher and Troy's in, uh, supposed incompetence. That I would let you know as a member of your lady audience that I have never felt alienated by your finding the humor in uh, the frequently misogynistic TNG writing. I was always drawn to the female characters uh, when I watched TNG on its first run in the same way most young people seek to find themselves in the stories they absorb. I was usually aware that the women were underused, and sometimes I could see that they were not served well, but much of the truly offensive and insulting ways the characters were written were only understood long after the fact when I was an adult. Although the recurrent poor treatment of my role models was disheartening, I have never taken offense to you guys making jokes and mocking it on the podcast. I have always felt that your humor... uh, This lady's British. You can tell. There's spellings. Uh, I've always felt that your humor... Oh, could be Canadian, yeah. Was uh, a way to... I think she might be, actually. I think she said that before. Was a way to highlight just how terrible the writing for the female characters often was. In fact, you usually make the point of noticing when the women are occasionally written well. <laughs> because that it's, means, it's rare and delightful. Uh, I agree. It's like um, seeing a shooting star. <laughs> That being said, I don't uh, speak for all your listeners. I appreciate someone asking the question, and it is really important not to dismiss an opinion or question right off the bat or cut them off before hearing uh, out their opinion. Uh, I enjoy what you guys do so much, and I appreciate how frequently you do consider the perspectives of the non-white male characters and cast. Keep it up, Tess. Tess, that's on me. I interrupted that email before I heard the whole thing while we did it. And I was like very annoyed by at myself for doing that. Um, in fairness, that was a gentleman, so you were interrupting a gentleman talking about women's perspectives. So it was just, it was just male interrupting on male interrupting. Well, no, I just I I but I'm what I'm saying is what Tess had written there was hearing out the whole opinion before interrupting. Right, right. And what I'm saying is I interrupted that opinion. I don't care what gender the opinion was. I was annoyed at myself for jumping in in the middle of it. Even a Packlid? No, I think Packlids look for things to make them go. Yeah. Which makes them okay in my book. (laughs) 
you wouldn't stop them before they got to go is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I'm saying if a Packlet had an opinion, I'd listen and <laughs> hopefully not interrupt them and go, you're just a stupid Packlet. <laughs> that is kind of what Jordy does in that episode. He has enormous patience. Um, uh, she also adds a PS uh, that I found. Uh, we are strong. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, she says, this was a Gates McFadden quote I found since you noticed how playful Crusher was in Quality of Life. She wanted to do more comedy. Uh, on auditioning for Star Trek The Next Generation, I walked in, this is Gates McFadden, I walked in and was told they had three parts uh, and I could play any part I wanted. That's amazing for an audition. That's me. Um, okay, I asked, which one is the funniest? Beverly Crusher. I swear to God, seriously. So I go, okay, fine. And I look at the scene and it's a scene from The Naked Now, and that's funny because she's kind of drunk, and I thought, this is funny. So that's about the only funny scene in seven seasons. <laughs> it's, I don't know if that's exactly accurate. You get a couple of funny scenes, and la- one is definitely in qu- several in de- quality of life. But I agree. She she had a talent for comedy, and they didn't give, throw her the ball that often. That's a very funny quote. Um, lastly... Uh, if you want to go to the trouble opening the face group, you can. But it's just a, it's just a thing. I'm gonna say. Oh, that's the end. Hang on. Oh no. Oh no. There's too many things happening. We're gonna reverse it. I'll play the opening after. Okay. Um, it's like we're in a time time anomaly shift. Um, so I just want to say we're not not opening up the birthday shout out floodgates because I think. This is already, and I'm making this longer and longer, the the hell bag. But there was a special request from the face group. uh, And uh, they and we would like to wish uh, loyal face group diehard Kristen Dees a very happy birthday. She celebrated last week. And uh, most of us are having... Kristen, uh, let's just uh, say happy birthday to you. With our newest favorite sound. Happy birthday! Play it! Yeah! Happy birthday! <laughs> I wish you could have seen his face. It was really like, why isn't it playing? It should have been playing. I clicked the button, I swear to gosh. <laughs> he looked... He looked like the guy in the, uh, in the most used uh, TNG meme uh, holding his head. Um, the guy? You just called Captain Picard the guy no not that oh sorry not that guy that's why I said the guy the uh the I think he was the at ops the guy who's holding his head with both hands as he oh 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 when uh when the whatever is melting his brain was it Q yeah, wasn't yeah, it Q yeah. oh was it did Q kill him I forget I feel like it might have been something else whatever the case uh most of us are having pretty crappy B days in quarantine Kristen and I hope yours was the best because you deserve it. I hope yours was was head and shoulders above Andy and I's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't take much. Uh, that's it for the face group section. Photoshop math with Data's cat. And who put Andy's face on that? Just take a look. It's on Facebook. It's in our face group. There you go. That's the exit. But plate is, that's the entrance plate is the exit. Yeah. Um... It was the Benjamin Button of sound cues. Uh, so that's it. If you want to join the face group, go on Facebook, find uh, the Star Trek The Next Conversation group. A bunch of delightful people just like Kristen Become D's a member. There. Get your talk on. 
And uh, if you'd like to write us, uh, hail us, uh, sdtncpod at gmail.com. If you want priority access, join either the lieutenant's or the president's level of our Patreon. Um, the gentleman uh, over there is uh, at Matt Myra on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Andrew Secunda on Instagram and at Secunda on Twitter. If you want to send a voice hail, it's 816 Trek TNC. And that's, that's funny. It you used hails. to say across from me. I did, and then I realized. And now you, you, now it's just like I mean I am. I looking guess I'm at you on the Zoom, it's like you are across. I'm technically from me, across from you, like across town. You know, our homes are like probably the same block, but Wait, what many, saying, many, 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 many blocks away. So you're Matt, having, you, we're technically across from each other. You are across from me. You're across the corridor from me. That's exactly right. Uh, I was just talking about when we get home to Earth. <laughs> Which we're not we're not in Earth yet. Uh, all right, Andy. That means it's time to talk about the episode. We crossed the many doors, the many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Okie dokie. It's time to talk about Chain of Command Part 1, which aired the week of December 14th. 1992. Andy, what was shaking out there in the world? Well, I'll tell you, Matt, the number one song in the U.S. was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Oh, um, well, let me... Yeah, just bring that yeah. up for you. Yeah. That's how I feel about you, Andy. Thanks, pal. That's how I feel about you, too. I think every Dolly Parton song should get a second life. Yeah, always. It's true. We're gonna be listening to this one for a while, aren't we? Oh, this, it's this had never this had to stop. be on the top of the charts forever. Way to way to way to hold it for two weeks. The heights. <laughs> you can't take down Whitney Houston. That's it's an impossible face off. The heights. I, I think we had we had your, like we had attempt. like we had like seven weeks of boys to men. The heights. Yeah accidentally showed up for two weeks and then Whitney Houston and they were like nothing's ever gonna take it bump us off number one and not the most well-known song of the entire decade for sure uh, <laughs> yeah so the sweet sounds of the late great Whitney is playing in the background Andy what was happening uh, in the regular you know in the in the in the, in the, the rest of the world news. I'll tell you number one song in the UK also I will always love you by Whitney <laughs> Houston finally the UK it's finally, finally. Synced up on it was the same undeniable. Page. Nothing, nothing, nothing could be done. Hopefully, uh, this is the end of the UK listening to weird music. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> uh, the number one movie was Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. The number one book, Dolores. Love it. Saw it in the theater. My mom took me. Oh yeah. Hey mom. I didn't didn't like him. It's probably too old. Uh, the number one book, Dolores Claiborne by Stephen King. Number one TV show that week was Roseanne. Hope you enjoyed the '90s. <laughs> did you see? Um, did you see uh, Macaulay Culkin's tweet the other day? No. He said, uh, "You want to feel old? I turned 40 today." <laughs> <laughs> it does do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin. I will say this. Yeah. Big Star Trek fan. Knows his shit. If only we could have guests. We could have Macaulay Culkin. On. <laughs> oh, Macaulay, if you. Listen to this podcast. What was the one? How to do that? Where he was like a little Damien kid. He was like an evil kid. The good son. The good son. We referenced. I'd ask him a lot of good son. I referenced the wrong version of it. We made a joke about killing 
the your not son Macaulay Culkin when I the plot was actually that she lets go of Macaulay Culkin because he's an asshole <laughs> and is actually her son. No, I, I didn't see it, so I, I wouldn't have called you. Oh <laughs> shit! Spoiler alert. Um, but that one I'll allow. Burst that week. Uh, NFL star, haha, Clinton Dix. Just wanted to hear you say that. You sure did. Love it. Um, I guess I should have gone. Haha, Clinton Dix. <laughs> um, uh, or haha, Clinton Dix. Uh, events. Uh, George Bush pardons six people implicated in the Iran Contra affair. And that is it for this day in Trek. All right. Oh, and the music is ending at the exact right time. That's never happened before. It's really this week in Trek. I think we changed it over time. Yeah, it is this week in Trek. I mean, because this always, it airs, it doesn't air on a date. It just airs on a week of because it was syndicated. Right. Uh, But this episode uh, was directed by Robert Shearer, and the teleplay was by Ronald D. Moore, with the story by Frank Abbott Marco. Matt. And you really before, are speaking of hang on working. speaking of Franks. <laughs> oh, okay. Where are you going, Andy? <laughs> I totally forgot. I totally forgot, but I found a pretty good segue. It was really a sign I of totally how forgot. He almost forgot the most important segment in the whole show. I completely forgot, but I found a segue because I was like, "Hey, oh no, more music's playing." I didn't mean for this to happen either. <laughs> but anyway, so Andy's like, "Hey, you know, you know, you're forgetting the most important segment of the world." And I, and I, just as I had read the story by Frank Abbott Marco, I was like, "And speaking of Franks, <laughs> slick Frank Sinatra, come on!" Da, 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 da. It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, come on! Oh, uh, Andy, what was the chairman of the board doing December fourteenth, nineteen ninety two? Well, I tell you, baby, Frank was <laughs> off the road and back in Ve- oh, back in Vegas, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I overused the babies. Uh, this week found him completing a five-night engagement at the Desert Inn. Is that his home away from home, or was it one of the other ones? Uh, the Sands. I always think of the Rat Pack. Sands. Yeah. Um, he spent his seventy-seventh birthday on December twelfth on stage, singing to his fans. There we go. Young at Heart must have uh, really been a hit. You know, I was talking to my other... uh, I have have another Andy friend. Okay. And uh, I was talking to him about Frank Sinatra. I don't like the sound of this already. I was talking to him about Frank Sinatra Come On. Yeah. And uh, I was just talking about how busy he was and, like, how crazy it is that, like... Oh, you know, might as well. I'm still talking about Frank. Let me bring that back up. Uh, And... uh, how every week we're reading this Frank Sinatra Come On from the early 90s, and he's constantly just finishing up four nights at Radio City Music Hall. <laughs> and Andy was like, I saw him at Radio City Music Hall with my mom and my sister, and Shirley MacLaine was there. I was like, we just talked about that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is really, that guy scored. That's uh, so great. Wow, right. Sinatra and Shirley MacLaine at Radio City Music Hall. That is sweet. Come on. They were at the last show, baby. Wow. Let's swing it back into Star Trek. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Chairman. You really are the 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 tops. What? <laughs> uh, okay, so we uh, already know who directed it and who wrote it and who did the story. <laughs> <laughs> you slipped it in. <laughs> Shipboard routine is jolted with the sudden reassignment of Picard, Crusher, and Worf for a classified mission and the arrival of Captain Ever Jellicle. Jellicle? 
Jellico. Jellico? Uh, Riker and LaForge in particular have a tough time getting used to the gruff Jellico. First of all, this will be my first editorializing of the day. Okay. Nothing gruff about him. Just get your fucking job done, guys. Okay. Oh, who has? Whoa. Who is this hard? This be great. This is really going to be a face-off because I had some strong opinions. Oh my god! <laughs> I, you know, watching it again, I was like, I, fu- I love Jellico. I'm like, <laughs> this is going to be perfect. Is my fucking. This is. This may be the most essential distinction between us. Oh, I because um, this is a classic. This is a classic Shelby Shelby Riker face-off issue. Oh Except my god! This time it's all of your beloveds that are coming up against your yeah, your and I I really am disappointed in my beloveds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> meanwhile, the reassigned trio trained to obtain transport for a secret search and destroy raid on an otherwise deserted deserted sorry Seltras three, where Starfleet fears the Cardassians are developing genetically engineered viruses that can wipe out all life uh, in their path. At the meeting intended to ease tensions, Jellicoe enrages Gullamek and his party with ploys of in- and intimidation until the Cardassians reveal that they know of Picard's secret mission and walk out. Meanwhile, the raiders discover that they've walked into a trap when they find nothing and realize the Metagenics story was a hoax. Worf and Crusher are forced to escape without Picard, who is injured in the ambush and faces a Cardassian interrogator who promises to reward Picard's silence with death. Death. Ah. Uh, Ronnie the Cox, worst, number one in worst, my heart. The worst reward of all. <laughs> eh, it depends on how your life's going. Uh, this is really... <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad message to send out there. <laughs> it was dark, and I apologize. <laughs> Very Actually, tired. it was just, for some reason... Uh, do I wanna, uh, you tell me. Do I want to go down this path? <laughs> I'm going to guess no if you're questioning it, no. All right, then never mind. There you go. Uh, okay, so let's let's kick it off, Andy, with the, one of the best cold opens of Trek, I think. Before you do. Oh, okay. Uh, I, just because I think it's going to drive people insane. I'll just say, I was watching Triple X. Classic like, Vin Diesel movie. Uh, I don't, I've never seen it before, and I was like, I've never seen Triple X. I'm going to watch Triple X. And uh, the, um, the, the cue of that... Uh, was just a stand-up comic, and I was like, "This guy was really funny and good, and he had a huge part in this successful movie." I wonder what happened to him, and I'm not going to get into it. But uh, look it up if you're interested. <laughs> you don't mind a little bit of a bummer. Wow! All right, now you can conti- continue. Weird. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Here we go. I'm again. Again, I'll, I'll proclaim it for those listening now. Uh, one of my favorite cold opens in the history of the TNG. Here we go. Captain's log, Stardate 46357.4. We have rendezvoused with the starship Cairo near the Cardassian border for an urgent meeting with Vice Admiral Nechev. Come. He's got his tea already. May I present Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Admiral, welcome on board. Thank you. That'll be all, Commander. Can I get you some coffee? Tea? Thank you. No, Captain. I'm afraid there's no time for the usual pleasantries. I'm here to relieve you of command of the Enterprise. What? A zoom in, a tracking shot. Oh, goodness. Hang on. Now let me just try that how I would have cut the scene. (coughs) Here we go. Can I get you some coffee? Tea? Thank you. No, Captain. I'm afraid there's no time for the usual pleasantries. I'm here to relieve you of command of the Enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... What a cold open, Andy! (laughs) 
It's pretty good. Uh, but I'll say right off the bat. Yeah. This lady, Nikayev. This admiral. Yeah, okay. this, this vice admiral, Nechayev. Nechayev, sorry. God, you're so rude to admirals. Yeah, I think they're all dicks. <laughs> yeah, they and, are. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> they're universally dicks. Um, and uh, and uh, Nechayev. Okay, fine. Nechayev. 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 You want to have you want to have a second alone with Picard? Uh, get your business done. She doesn't even look at Riker when she says she wants a moment alone. You can't even do him the dignity of saying, "I'm sorry, I'm gonna need him. I'm gonna need to excuse us." Like cuts him what off. Does she doesn't care? Even look He's at like him. nine ranks behind him. Yeah, exactly. It's lower decks. Get out of the face. I don't. It's like it's like when Captain Picard passes us while we're doing the podcast in the hallway. Yeah, but he's got things he's got to do that are more important than... Uh, oh, you don't think Admiral Nechayev has important things to do? He's not engaging us directly, and they're not even looking at us. She's got to get Ronnie Cox on board within the next act. Yeah, the next dick. <laughs> I love Ronnie Cox. I really do. Ah, he's very good. He's very good at playing a dick. That's Southern charm. <laughs> I don't think he's a dick. In real life? Well, no, of course not in real life. Uh, But on this episode, like watching it as a a grown adult. Now, when I was a kid, I shared a lot of the views that Andy has here. Uh, I was like, why (laughs) why is he ruining everything? That was me. That was me. Uh Jordy's really good. Why is he going to make it 15% more efficient? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But as an adult, as watching it, I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Just, I mean, all of these problems would go away if they just listened to the fucking commanding officer of their ship. Anyway, here we go. Drawn from the Bajoran sector, have been redeployed. I also love how they start it, and it's very obvious that Picard is not in the observation lounge at this briefing. Yeah. I love it. On the Federation border. They have mobilized three divisions of ground troops, and their subspace communications have been increased by 50%. We believe that they're preparing for an incursion into Federation space. Are the Cardassians ready for a war? I didn't say war, Commander. I said incursion. She's already being Our mean to him. Report suggests that they'll try. Well, that's on him. Does not I mean, like that. I mean, he's throwing out war like uh, it's nonchalant, and she's like, "Just fucking listen, Beardo." Yeah, but incursion is just politico speak. They're they're in a closed. An meeting. incursion is not a war. Ugh, it's an act that may lead to war. Uh, Come on, Andy. A, you're such a uh, Come on, Andy. Get on board the Nechea of and Angelico train. <laughs> You're such a, a, a rank classist. Systems along the border. We think they're gambling that the Federation won't actually go to war over one system. Will we? No one said war, Admiral. <laughs> <laughs> you you did you did earlier, Commander. <laughs> oh. I hope we won't need to make that decision. We have decided to send the Enterprise to meet with the Cardassian representative in open talks. We're hoping that the presence of the Federation flagship on the border will send a message to their leadership about just how seriously we view the situation. Where is Captain Picard? Where have you hidden him? The captain, your <laughs> chief medical officer and security chief. Um, holodeck 3, you dum-dum. <laughs> That's all I can tell you for now. <laughs> how come the computer didn't Why answer that? Why do you know Edward Jellicoe? Good question. Very good question. <laughs> Computer seems to always be like answering that exact question. Captain Picard is. Oh, oh, sorry. He's <laughs> the commanding officer of the Cairo. I've heard of him. I don't know that any of us have ever. I'm giving him command of the Enterprise this afternoon. Captain Jellico helped to negotiate the original armistice treaty. All right, she's deliberately just cutting people off. Yeah. 
Uh, sure. So in this case, I think, yes, Andy, allow Commander Riker to finish his sentence and then say that. Especially when it's about an obvious, like, he would be the obvious promotion. Like, you no. can take a half a second. You can't I, I think her reasoning Riker. for putting Jellico in is bullshit. I think it's great. I really that do. He's Again. Dealt, was, he's dealt with the Cardassians the before. I mean, how much has Picard dealt with the Cardassians? Like one, maybe two times? And then you've all right, got, all right. I'm backing got, off that point. And you've right. got Jellico, who has literally negotiated the peace treaty. Yeah. All right. That's fair. So you just give him a better ship. Yeah. And you take the one guy qualified, who happens to be in command of that ship, off the ship to go do the mission that he's qualified for. Right now, I'm on board for all of Starfleet's reasonings. What I'm not Wait. on board for is her curtness and rudeness to Ca- Commander Riker in that particular instance. <laughs> Years ago, and I believe he's the most qualified person to lead this mission. The change of command will take place at 1300 hours. Thank you. Admiral. With all due respect, it's not necessary to give Captain Jellicoe command of the Enterprise just to conduct a negotiation. I disagree. The Enterprise will be in a dangerous situation, and I want someone on the bridge who has a great deal of experience with the Cardassians. No offense, Commander, but that's not you. Also, I secretly think you're not a good officer. I don't think that's true. I don't think anyone doesn't think... That Will is a good, not a good officer. Jellico except for, Will, except for everyone in this episode, because he's not being a very good officer. <laughs> I disagree. I you mean, don't think he's being a. You think he's being a good officer here? Well, that was a little bit questionable. I, 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 you know, I, again, I don't know that they're writing Will consistently. Like with what? I think they're deliberately a... making Will Riker obtuse in this episode for a reason. Well, they're taking away to his tell, precious Picard. To, to tell the he's, story? He's reacting emotionally. Meanwhile, in, in Training Bay 1. Understand this is difficult. In well, Professor Xavier's danger room. <laughs> in this danger right, room, I can walk yeah. again. All right, Mr. Wolf, I want you to time the doctor and me through that first tunnel. And this time, we're going to pick up those five seconds. Now, okay, so watch this, this scene very carefully. I remember being like, what a gruff dick, Okay. right? But literally, re-watching this scene today, I was like, oh, he's not a dick at all. Riker just needs to do what he's asking. Now, uh-huh. you may disagree with me, and I'm happy to hear your points. Okay. Uh, in fact, if you'd like to have control of this scene in the play buttons, go for it. Okay, you can go ahead, and I'll I'll just all right. Uh, I'll jump in if I need to. Well, hang on. Let me just say the first thing. Okay. The way what a graceful entrance. <laughs> the way, but the way Ronnie Cox greets him. Yes. Fucking done his homework. Super friendly. Knows his entire service record. Watch this. Welcome aboard, sir. I'm Commander William G. Riker, class of 57, graduated eighth in this class. I'm looking forward to serving with you, Commander. Thank you. And are you? I'm sure this change in command has taken everyone a little by surprise. Well, uh, yes, sir. It caught me by surprise, too. I must admit I missed Cairo already, but a galaxy-class ship, that's something special. Okay. So far, what do you think? I don't don't know why he's got to say he misses the Cairo already. That seems a little bit... uh... 
uh, why, like, if you're making pleasantries, why say you miss your prior ship right off the bat? I mean, wouldn't you? No, maybe not to the not maybe, to my new first first officer. Maybe his transporter room has a bunch of paintings from his child <laughs> on the uh-huh. Cairo, so he's immediately missing it. Sure. I can understand why you turned down a ship of your own to remain aboard. Yes, sir. How many duty watches does the crew stand? We have a standard three-shift rotation. I'd like to change that to four starting tonight. I'd also like to examine the duty roster and the crew evaluations as soon as possible. I want readiness reports from uh, each department head by 1,400 hours and a meeting of the senior staff at 1,500. Do you prefer Will or William? Um, Will, sir. Where are my quarters, Will? We have you assigned to cabin 735, deck 7. Deck 7. I'll see you at 1,300 hours. It's another another uh, cutter offer. Again, well, Will's got a lot of work to do. But, like, everything he's asking <laughs> he for. can't okay. spend time on that deck 7. <laughs> All, uh, every, well, also, it starts with the 7, 735. Of course, it's on deck 7. Come on, Riker, shut up. Uh, but, like, okay, so what's he's been, what has he been tasked with so far? Pull up two reports on the computer uh-huh. <laughs> and add a fourth rotation uh-huh. it's pretty re- I think very pretty reasonable stuff for the new captain of the ship well I guess we can get more into it, it, it a lot of the, a lot of this things is, is what this is it my friend we're in what it. the implied question is of obviously Jordy and Riker are um are very thrown by this guy and like, what is he doing? And so the question is, as it is in any chain, chain, change of command, are the people who are questioning him below him right? Or the is he right? And I don't well, know also, that we have the information to evaluate that, other than we know that Jordy and Riker are the best of the best. And we don't know uh, anything about this guy. Do we, though? Well, if you're questioning that, that's a whole other thing. Well, what I'm saying is Data is the best of the best as clearly illustrated in this episode. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's it's just like a new sh- person like a new Data's just a, I mean, I get where Jordy Data's an apple polisher. <laughs> he's just I get <laughs> where Jordy and Riker are coming from in the sense of like, whoa, this is like it like snatch your head back. This is very uh-huh. different than how we usually do things. Yeah. But like, if someone comes in, like if a new showrunner comes in or something, and a or a new head writer comes in, and is all of a sudden like, "Here's how I want to blah 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 blah," I will I will go, "Whoa, it's not how we normally do things," and they'll be like, "Okay, well this is how I want to do things," and then I'm like, "Okay," and I'll begrud- begrudgingly uh-huh. do what they want. But what Riker does is begrudgingly doesn't do anything that <laughs> Jellica wants. Uh, well, let's keep going. I, I, I feel like he does. He just doesn't do it on the snap, too, that uh, Jellico is expecting. Disagree completely. Attention to orders. To Captain Jean-Luc Picard, commanding officer, USS Enterprise, Stardate 46358.1, you are hereby requested and required to relinquish command of your vessel to Captain Edward Jellicoe, commanding officer, USS Cairo, as of this date. Signed, Vice Admiral Alina Netchev, Starfleet Command. 
Computer, transfer all command codes to Captain Edward Jellicoe. Voice authorization, Picard Delta 5. Transfer complete. USS Enterprise now under command of Captain Edward Jellicoe. I relieve you, sir. I stand relieved. I dismissed. Love procedure. <laughs> uh, there was that one extra that was kind of like, ah, I don't know what's going mm-hmm. on. This it's gonna is be, crazy. I don't know. They don't usually go through the ceremony if it's just a temporary assignment. I think Riker is also unsettled in this episode because something clearly major is going down and nobody's really telling him what it is. Sore? Oh, sore doesn't begin to describe it. Yeah, to a point. I know. I wish I could talk about it. I like that. That. Most of it's unspoken. She knows what she's feeling. And uh, she knows she can't say anything. And it's that's the kind of conversation that, that should be had with Deanna. <laughs> just, uh, just half conversations always? I <laughs> kind of feel like it should. Particularly if these people have known her that long. <laughs> if you want to play it real. Changed at the last overhaul. I don't think they'll give you any problem. But you might want to check out the port I'll lateral. take care of the Enterprise, Jean-Luc. You don't have to mother me. Uh... How's your team shaping up? Very well, but I would prefer more recent intelligence on the exact layout of the installation. The most current information that we have is two years old. Ah, two years. I don't know how JF ever talked you into this. She gave me no choice. Well, maybe there's something we can do to help. We'll launch a class five probe just before we reach the border. You could pick up the telemetry aboard the shuttle. Now that will be extremely helpful. I mean, okay. Great. What about this? What about this? A little finger? You're giving a finger to Riker? What are you what are you what are you talking about? He's just asking for Will to come over. Andy, he's not rude. Snapping his fingers and saying, Come on over. How would you get Will to come over across the room? You could say Commander Riker. But, you know, he's already said that he likes to be called Will, as opposed to William. Fine. But if but if you're, calling, you're hair- calling a commander's name, I assume this douche cares about, you know, a chain of command and how everything but he is. Also so, cares therefore, about- you would just want in front of the other the other uh, lower ranks, you'd want us to say Commander Riker. I think you're just you're really picking at the uh, straws here. <laughs> I don't think so I at all. I think this guy's a dick from top to bottom. I believe we're scheduled to arrive at the Cardassian border during Delta Shift. Please inform... Now let's imagine the scene, Andy. Had Riker done what he was asked? Uh-huh. Delta Tactical Officer that I want to launch a Class 5 probe just before we drop out of warp. He, Riker would say, yes, sir. I was actually going to talk to you about Delta Shift a little later, sir. Instead, right now, we have this. Gamma Shift will be on duty when we arrive, and I will tell Lieutenant McDowell about the probe. Is there a problem with Delta Shift, Will? There is no Delta Shift yet, sir. I have spoken to the department heads about changing from three shifts to four, and they assure me it's going to cause us significant personnel problems. Okay. So you have not changed the... Yeah. So this is the main question. You're approaching this with your faith in Edward Jellicoe, the... I'm approaching it with my faith well in Well-established 
well-established great com- captain of our times, of Edward Jellico Of the Cairo. Of the Cairo. I mean, so renowned in this show. Not someone that we've seen for six seasons being the of the utmost efficiency and competency and bravery and sense. Well, that's because no, he was Edward Jellico on the front lines of the Cardassian-Bajoran <laughs> War. So, th- basically, Will is saying... Look, my department heads, who I trust, are telling me this is going to cause too many problems. So I wanted to talk to you about that. And okay, Jellico's okay, like, I don't give, I don't give a crap about your problems because what so he should have done. The question is, the question is, is are the problems that Riker's talking about so damaging that it's like what he's doing doesn't make sense? I got to talk to him about this, as opposed to just blindly follow orders. Obviously not, because they go to four shifts. And it all works out. Yeah, and the, uh, it but what I would have done if the I only, was the only thing that's the only person it that's works un- out a thousand percent. It works out. They get the job done. Are you kidding me? You don't. How do you know they get the job done? We don't know what the what the blowback has been. We don't know what the 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 expense has been in terms of efficiency or or if yeah. there were mistakes made or or how ready they really are. After okay, let's say that all the let's crew. say let's say that all of those points are valid and and you're correct in the uh, and you take the side of like what Will's saying is accurate here and okay. uh, it may have been thrown. Will, who we've spent six seasons with, sure, 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 yeah, yeah, who's a baby and won't take his own fucking ship. <laughs> uh, let's let's say that's accurate, but what he absolutely should have done. Uh-huh. Was said to the department heads, okay, well, this is what Captain Jellico wants. Let's get it done, and we can shake out the personnel problems as we go. Well, I assumed what was implied there was that there was a more major problem. What happens when you assume? <laughs> well, you're assuming that Jellico's right. I'm just following the fucking captain's orders. I'm not you're a fucking Michael Burnham. I'm not going to go around and Vulcan neck pinch him and then start a war. <laughs> you're following the 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 captain's orders, who is a new captain that we don't know. We don't know if this guy's crazy or what's going on with him. But he's not crazy, and he we know. I mean, like, they have his service All record. Will wanted was to have a conversation with him before he changed the shifts. But he should have changed the shifts, then had the conversation. I assume by changing the shifts, it was going to cause so much chaos that but the it, damage already would have been done. But it Otherwise, doesn't. he wouldn't have said. But it doesn't. Because they go you to four shifts in the next scene. what happened behind the scenes. In the next scene, they go to four shifts. It's fine. They go to four shifts, and already it's taking a... Uh, you can see the next conversation between Jordy, the other best of the best. I don't know if you Riker remember like, when Scotty... Yeah, I don't know what this guy's doing. What did Scotty say to Jordy? Uh, to lie to your captain? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, don't, you think don't tell him how long? Average. Don't tell him how long it's really going to take. <laughs> I see. So Jordy, when he said, but also this like, is but also like, Captain, <laughs> you know, he's like Jordy. Scotty's like Captain Star- Starfleet. Captains always want things now, and they <laughs> want it their way. I see. So you're you're inferring that Jordy will have no problem doing that, and he's just trying to be a miracle worker when I'm, he says to Riker, I, "This is trouble." I, 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 look. I think that it's a conversation we've all had with our with our coworker when a new boss comes in, you know, uh-huh. the Riker and Jordy aside. Yeah, but there's another not- thing I was going to say, and so maybe I'm too dug in on this. I had four showrunners this year <laughs> switched out, uh, showrunner being the yeah. person who runs the show. So I uh, this really hit me where I live, where I was just like, I don't know what anyone's doing. I don't know what the decisions are. I don't have faith in this guy. But what did you do? 
Well, I, I I obeyed orders. You did. You did. You did exactly what was asked of you. I did. Yes. So, um, but because you're what a reasonable human being <laughs> who understands the chain of command. Well, there is a uh, yeah. I guess it's similar to a star show. <laughs> a, a, a TV show, a TV comedy show is t- similar to a star. I mean, it is in the in the hierarchy. You know what I mean? I guess and what like, I was going to argue is that there's more of a. You know, there's more of a, a penalty of life and, and danger on a starship, whereas in TV it's like, no, that didn't work out. We got a couple of crappy episodes, which is what happened. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. I but, know. I mean, like, look at it from that perspective. Like, you can look at it from both perspectives. It's an interesting conversation because, like, as I I, I was like you for so long on, on this, uh, although I always have liked Jellico. Uh <laughs> I don't know. I, that's a separate from everything else. I don't know how you could say you like Jellico. He's definitely, even if you say well, he's a good, seen, a good captain have you and, seen, and is in have the you right. S- have you seen part two? I did, but I don't yeah. remember. I watched it for Picard, but I don't remember. Well, that'll, I, be, I that'll, don't, be, that'll be interesting to continue the conversation when we get to part two. Okay. Uh, Keep playing I mean, obviously, scene, we're going to be talking about this more throughout. Is this the scene where he... Blows up. Well, keep keep going. We'll see where it goes. No, oh, this is the scene where he's not doing his job. Uh, look, and I think I think Picard's like, "What are you doing to me, buddy? <laughs> I selected you, and you are fucking it up right now." I don't think that's. <laughs> oh, what he's I saying. totally do. At least that's what I'm reading into it. Oh, I think I he's like, "What's going on with Jellico?" Yeah. For the ceremony, sir. You will tell the department heads that as of now. The Enterprise is on a four shift rotation. Which is what I what this is exactly about it. Get it done. That's exactly what fucking Riker should have said. The Delta ship will be due to come on duty in two hours. I expect you to have it fully manned and ready when it does. Is that clear? Yes, sir. If you'll excuse me, sir. Captain. I'm sorry, he I can't was... see it. Hang on one sec. Do you have glasses? I can't see the screen. It's too far away. <laughs> All right, try again. Try uh, play. Oh yeah, you're back. Your first officer for five years. One of the finest officers that I have ever served with. Of course he is, Jean-Luc. I'm sure it'll all work out. Also, this leads to the uh, this leads to Deanna's observation of him when Riker on the bridge says he's very sure of himself. Yes, and then uh, and Troy's like, "No, he's not." Yeah, and I think that this line here, it'll all work out. You know, he's nervous about what he's going to do because he has to go deal with these fucking Cardassians again. Sorry, like you're everybody. defending his ridiculous behavior by saying... I don't I, think any of his behavior is ridiculous. He's got so many responsibilities. Picard has had responsibilities from day one. He's as cool as a cucumber. This guy's a bad captain. I think Picard would have handled it very differently, of course. Uh, but I This also guy think is an captain, egomaniac. I don't That's think Picard, the heart of my argument about okay, Jellicoe. Okay, first of all... He makes decisions out of ego. I don't think he does. I don't think he does. I think he makes decisions based on what he's faced with and it's interesting because like i've always watched deep space nine with the knowledge that if picard was in command of deep space nine i think the dominion would have won the war (laughs) 
I like. I have I'm no not even. That's not so. even a joke. That wasn't even I, said I, for I, humor. I believe you, but I, I that, have no point of reference. That is so. for like. I think a lot of the people listening now who have seen DS9 would pro- would agree with that. Um, mm. And I think that Jellico is cut from the same cloth as Cisco. Is a, a like a a, a a war commander. He's Fucking a wartime a brilliant. captain. Yes. And. You know, the fact that Jellico had been on the front lines uh-huh. and negotiated the armistice with uh, the Cardassians, uh-huh. uh, he's dealt with them. And he knows what he's up against. And I think that him knowing what he's up against and having dealt with them before knows how to efficiently run a ship when you're going to probably, potentially, end up in battle with a squadron of Cardassians. Uh-huh. So him coming into the ship like, I'd like this, 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 and this done. Yeah. What do you like to be called, Andrew or Andy? Uh, you can just call me uh, Commander Secunda. All right, Commander Secunda. <laughs> I just need this, 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 and this done. Where are my quarters? Yeah. Uh, it's 735 deck. Deck seven. seven. <laughs> Get it done. <laughs> Boom. It's like, exactly. that's like that's You it. said deck seven much more friendly. <laughs> Well, he also, but Ronnie was smiling when he delivered the line. And I wasn't. I was not. I also want to run the main deflector pathway through the warp power grid and the auxiliary conduits through the lateral relays. Now, you may have to reconfigure the transfer interface. Sir, the transfer interface was not designed for that configuration. It will take seven hours to make those changes. Sir, you may not be aware that our normal interface already routes auxiliary power through three separate relays. I'm aware of your current design system. It's not good enough. If these negotiations fail, we can find ourselves in a war zone, and if that happens, I want to be loaded for bear. I'll get right on it. Good. Now, these stations should be devoted that's, to damage control. and that's, that's Riker's doing it right there. I'll get right on it. Right. And then Ronnie Cox is like, la-di-da, great. <laughs> now do this. Weapon status from now uh-huh. on. See that they're manned at all times. Aye, sir. Mr. Data, how long before we reach the rendezvous point? We will arrive in 51 hours, 32 minutes, sir. Schedule four battle drills, one for each shift. Run a series of simulated attacks from a Cardassian squadron. I want you to conduct the exercises personally, Will. Get it done. Get it done. I love that. That's his make it so. Um, I love that he has a. I love that he has a catchphrase. <laughs> I can't sync up, no matter what I do. What do you want to do? I mean, you know, just, just, just like if you will it to happen <laughs> here I'll just restart okay oh and whoopsie doopsie hey, wait are you in should I n- wait I have to send you a new link oh okay got it one sec I feel like this is, you know, I got to see every expression at this point. Where I mean, come on. Okay. There we go. And get that fish out of the ready room. Data, you with me. Okay. Fish out of the ready room. Yeah, yeah. Get the fish out of the ready room. Why? That's ego. I don't want any any evidence of the guy who was captain 10 minutes ago. That's all. I think that's also because he wants it to be clear to everyone that right now it's his ship. That's... Well, this is the thing. It'd be like if to you me, if you took over for a showrunner and you walked right. into the office and their shit was in there. Right. 
Wouldn't you be like, and could someone get these uh, box toys out of my fucking office? Not if it's a battle situation and I got other important things to do and it might be oh, very well temporary. Me there's not a Secunda and a Myra around who can move Livingston? It doesn't matter. The, he's, he's making a point of doing that in the midst of this thing, which is clearly going to ruffle feathers, instead of concentrating on the things that are important. It's a move out of ego. It's not a move out of ego. It's a move out of what if I have to meet with the Cardassians in my ready room? I don't want to fish in there. That's you know, You're really reaching on that. I'm not reaching. He's not going to meet with the Cardassians in there. He's got a whole plan for how he's going to meet with wait. Them in the conference room. Yeah, yeah he's got that plan, too. But he's ready for everything. <laughs> what if he? What if he goes in? What if he? What if he goes in there? What if he knows something that we don't know about Cardassians and how they feel about fish? But this is what I'm saying. You're ascribing all of these things to him instead of having faith in the people that we that we know. Beyond which, you're being so Riker-like right now. All you have to do. <laughs> I mean, the guy just asked to move the fish. Get the fish out of there. <laughs> Somebody should intercut this episode with uh, with um, uh, Best of Both Worlds Part 1. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> the, I, you said it as well as anyone could. Commander, I was on Shelby's side then, too. Commander Riker is being a Shelby right now. <laughs> Commander Riker is being a Shelby when Commander Riker was being a uh, what against Shelby? <laughs> a Jellico. Power transfer levels need to be upgraded by 20%. The efficiency of your warp coils is also unsatisfactory. Coil efficiency is well within specifications, Captain. I'm not interested in the specs, Jordy. The efficiency needs to be raised by at least 15%. 15%? That is an attainable goal, but it will require realigning the warp coil and taking the secondary distribution grid offline. Very good data. That's exactly what I want you to do. If we take this grid offline, we're going to have to shut down exobiology, the astrophysics lab, and geological research. We're uh-huh. not on a research mission. Get it done in two days. I believe that is also an attainable goal. If we utilize the entire engineering department, there should be sufficient manpower available to complete the task. Sure, if everybody works around the clock for the next two days. Then you'd better get to it, Jordy. It looks like you have some work to do. Data? I love this, this, the way the data walks away. <laughs> Why do you think he does look back? Because he's like, I think it's weird too, but I'm going along with it. Does he think it's weird? I feel like Data's on, he's on autopilot. That's that's why Jellico loves him. I think he, he's a, well, he's just being a fucking he's Starfleet an officer. Polisher. He's a yeah. Starfleet officer. He's, he's, he, he only knows, well, he's the captain now, so I'll just follow it. Without thinking, is does is he is he not making logical decisions like he did in the previous episode with the exocomps? Is he not making logical decisions? He's not Who? questioning decisions. In the previous episode, he did question decisions. Who was the he? Data. Uh, data. Yeah, yeah. What are you saying? I thought you were talking about Jordy for a second. I was like, what does that? What are you saying? Uh, he's not questioning logical decisions. What do you mean by that? I'm saying in the previous in the previous episode, if you're t- if we're talking about data being like, well, he's just following Starfleet orders. He ignored we're, we're, Starfleet orders in the prior episode. Yeah, but this didn't. This does not he actively this, worked against the, the orders in the previous. Episode. This does not conflict with his morality programming. Right, right. That's fair. 
Yeah. Again, um, because Captain Jellicoe. I did, this didn't bother me. I like I like the distinction. Uh, none of this bothered me. The but the uh, I like the writing distinction of that. Oh, data wouldn't it wouldn't even. Yeah, it wouldn't even hit his radar. But I don't I don't necessarily agree with your evaluation of that's because data's right and they're all wrong. I don't know that we know that. I didn't say that. I said data's being a good Starfleet officer and they're not. That's doesn't that suggest that you're saying that he's right. I, what I'm wrong? saying is like if you fucking get on a ship and the captain is telling you shit to do, you do it. Uh huh. What, what what what, what if, else is there? You're just always you looking know? for a mutiny. What if you know the ship you, better than the captain? Shouldn't he at least hear you out? Sounds a lot like he fucking knows the ship. I don't. I don't know. That he, he knows does. all the upgrades. He knows what the power co- can do. He knows how to run the redundancies. He knows how to fix the warp coil. The guy has studied the ship inside and out. He was asking for a solution, and then Jordy's response is kind of like, "You know, you're gonna beat the shit out of your crew that you want to be battle ready." Yeah. Are you telling so me that a, be a, less a, battle ready if they're if they're a, completely exhausted? You're telling me a crew can't go two days. You're a Captain Bly. That's what I'm realizing. No, I'm a fucking. Let's do what we need to do. I'm a humanitarian. I'm. I am a. But also, like, why is he like? We're gonna have to pull off. I'm the Picard in this situation, and you're the Jellico. But I don't understand why Jordy is like. Well, we're gonna have to take down astrophysics and geology. Oh, okay. Who cares right now? We're not doing that right now, Jordy. Uh Right. Is your visor working? Because it seems like you can't see what's right in front of your face, which is a captain saying, "Do this." Whoa! Yeah, I know that's that got it. harsh. That got harsh. <laughs> <laughs> that does not deserve a uh, really, an really, <laughs> really came around on. Uh, really, really just took Jordy to task there because he's being a little whiny. I, I gotta say. Also, this scene, I like this scene a lot. What do you think of this scene? <laughs> I like the scene because I, I was literally be I was watching it, being like, okay, I've got to find the parts of Jellico that are rubbing me wrong and I and I'm like yeah. I'm like this scene if I remember correctly this scene is the scene where he's going to rub everybody wrong and I right. watch it and I listen and I go huh I am not bothered at all by this uh-huh. yes may I speak with you captain oh, Deanna come in come in loving it friendly Spending a lot of time adjusting that sculpture and looking in the book for somebody who doesn't have time to let people finish sentences. Well, right now his crew is doing what they should be doing. Uh huh. He's the captain. Okay. Pieces from my son. He's forty years old, but he it's thinks that's relevant. an elephant. He thinks that's what? I think. I said oh, he's yeah. forty years old. This is the latest masterpiece from my son. He's forty years old, so he just has a bunch <laughs> of crayon drawings. For Definitely an elephant. I'm glad you're here open duty roster with you i'd be happy to but first i'd like to talk about how the changing command is affecting the crew and andy secundo <laughs> i've noticed some resistance i wouldn't call it resistance more like uncertainty most of them had served under captain picard for several years they knew him and they knew what he expected Now they're being asked to adjust to a new captain and a new way of doing things. And they're uncertain how to react. I see your point. This all could be very unsettling to them. I mean, so so far, 
I was like trying to remember the scene and I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, so he hears her. He's uh-huh. listening. He's acknowledging okay. what she's coming to him with. So far. The whole time, I think. It's, it's amazing. Like really listening to it, I was like, oh. Because I had a, in my head, the scene was very different than it ended up. Everyone just needs time. Time for you to get to know and trust the crew and time for them to understand how you want things done. I'm glad you brought this to my attention, Deanna. Unfortunately, I don't have time for a honeymoon with the crew. You've clearly given this a lot of thought, so I'd like you to take charge of the morale situation. Please see to it that they make the adjustment to the new routine quickly and easily. I mean, do you have a problem with any of that? Um, I don't think she's asking him to do no. anything other than than some common politeness and communication. But what he's saying he, is, I don't have time for that. Orders, he doesn't explain what, why what sa- until yeah, he doesn't have time for it. I think he's. I think he's. He has time well, to adjust me, his little how statue. How do I explain this? How do I explain this in a way? He has time I to look at, show his son's pictures. I think in in a in a in a in a in like a yellow alert situation. You know, I uh-huh. think that Jellico is sort of like dispenses with the pleasantries. Clearly, but not so much that he's a dick. Where I'm, Disa- we're like, disagree. Where, well, because like, Deanna, come in, come in. Oh, and Let I'd like you, you to be in charge of the, you know, because I don't have time for this, and you've brought it to my attention. You've thought about this a lot. I would like you to head this up so that they make the adjustments quickly and easily. Let me ask you a question, Matt. Yeah. If if I was on a ship, I, I on a TV show, I'm with you. If if a new person comes in, I follow what they want me to do. Yeah. I might say this is the situation you're dealing with, but I would do what they want me to do. Yeah. Um, but let me ask you a question. If you went in and you took over a show from someone else, yeah. and it was like big situation, they all loved the other person, the other person left, uh-huh. would you come in and then be a dick to I everybody wouldn't be, because I you were trying to get, push your weight around and get them to do what you want right away? I wouldn't go guns blazing at all. Yeah. But because here's it's what not I, but, but I would tell you this. I will tell you this. Yeah. If I was coming in for what I thought might be the fucking series finale, uh-huh. And I had to take it over. Uh-huh. Then I would I would come in guns blazing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because I'm not worried about I, 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 I'm not worried about what's going to happen after this. I will repair the relationship after. But we have a fucking series finale to do right now. Uh-huh. And I think you would very be similar. I mean, I would definitely uh, be a little bit quicker. But if, like, but if I'm I, coming in mid season, of course, you're absolutely right. I think I would give room for people to listen to me if anyway, keep, keep going. But I don't, scene. but like, think about it though. I, in that scenario, I don't know that you would have time. Well, this, he, this is the thing though. Here, hit, hit the rest of the scene. Sure. Uh, let me just uh, pop back 10 seconds. So we get the lead in. That's a lot of thought. So I'd like you to take charge of the morale situation. Please see to it that they make the adjustment to the new routine quickly and easily Uh, I have a meeting with the new security chief in five minutes so the duty roster will have to wait 
Thank you, Counselor. So that's another another. Wait, what does he say then? I forget. Thank you, Counselor. No, oh, he, he says, says he, he says the fucking greatest line that's ever been said to Deanna Troy in the history of this show. My God, what the fuck took them so long? I love they had to bring another captain in to do it. But from now on, Andy, she wears oh, this right. fucking uniform. The uniform. She oh, does she the... wear it from then yes. on? Yes. Huh. Well, by the way, I prefer a certain formality on the bridge. I'd appreciate it if you wore a standard uniform when you're on duty. Of course, sir. Matt likes to cram people into their little little boxes. I mean, it's like you don't like you're in a situation where you're on the bridge. I assumed it was regulation that outfit; otherwise, she wouldn't be allowed to wear it. Uh, it's not. You don't know that. It must. You be. do because he says it's not, and it's never listed in any uniforms. I have a fucking book about Star Trek costumes. You think Picard let her wear a non-regulation uniform on the bridge? Picard yes. shouted at Wesley. Yes, one hundred thousand percent. I don't buy it. But here's my point was going to be... Let me just say uh, the following thing before you get to that point regarding the uniform situation. You're just like Jellicoe cutting me off. And why I think... You better listen to me, Commander Secunda. <laughs> uh, you think about the situation that we had some weeks back where you're, the ship has hit a fucking quantum fissure. Okay. Troy... O'Brien and Roe are on the bridge. Roe, who is the senior officer and it, it flies the ship, has to be told that Deanna Troy is a lieutenant commander. <laughs> right. Why? Because she never fucking wears a uniform. Oh, Roe is also off on her own thing. <laughs> yeah, but also, like, that's a crazy thing that happened. But also, I don't know if she was in a uniform would make any difference. She's treating Troy that way because Troy doesn't seem to be part of the chain of command or why? Know because about she's the rest not wearing a because fu- she walks around in pajamas. Oh, it's a uniform. And Tro- it's Ro a, is smart enough to look past it. Starfleet. My point was going to be. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. That he says, "Oh, come in. Let's go over the duty roster." And then he doesn't like the conversation, and so he's like, oh, "I got to meet with somebody else." Uh, so go fuck off. And it's like, you, I think that, you didn't expect to go over that duty roster in a minute and a half. He, You're he, just playing mind games. I think he did. I think There's it, no I way. I think it takes six minutes to go over a duty roster. And she wasted Th- a minute and a half. Ridiculous. And, he had a and also that, com- that conversation wasn't even six minutes. No, no, it takes six minutes. So had she started with the duty roster, they would have gotten through it. There was two minute difference, and it was. That's absurd. all I'm saying. Oh, you don't think that someone who wants four shifts on a duty roster is that good with time? I I feel like he, and he also he like he doesn't. He just looks at his screen, but he also wants to say his one other thing. He's like, yeah, he's, he's playing he's, mind games with her. He's it's all about ego. No, it's about getting the ship in the shape that he would like it in, because it's his ship. Half the power systems on this ship change every duty roster, realign the warp coils in two days, and now he's transferred a third of my crew to security. If it makes you feel any better, you're not alone. Captain Jellicoe has made major changes in every department on the ship. Yeah, well, I don't mind making changes, and I don't mind hard work, but the man isn't giving me the time I need to do the work. Somebody's got to get him to listen to reason. It's not going to be me. He's made that abundantly clear. Well, then can I make a suggestion? Talk to Captain Picard. Maybe he can do something. We just 
Need a little time. All right. You know, if he doesn't all give right, him enough I'll, time I'll to talk do to the job right, <laughs> if he doesn't give him enough time to do the job right, there may be mistakes made. You don't want that in a, in the battle either. No, but I don't. I, I I think that the time given is the time needed. That's this data. Is, this data is, data would not have said that it was possible. You know what yeah, I mean? but he might be judging it from a from a He's robot not, perspective. He knows how to fucking not judge it from a robot perspective. I don't know that that's accurate. He didn't seem to be acknowledging that the humans would have to be awake for two days working. He doesn't process that shit. No, it would take the shifts to be working round the clock. I don't know that that means be awake for 48 hours working. No, that's the way I interpreted it. I just think that means that the duty shifts are going to have to like do overtime. I interpret it as you have to work for two days, which is well, why Data didn't see a problem that's with it. That's just not safe. That's what I'm saying. And I don't think that's what he was asking. That's because you are in love with Jellico. It's <laughs> a new, Andy, new Andy's theory. <laughs> Matt is in love with Captain Jellico. <laughs> I, you know what? Andy's theory. Jellico is the best. No one's ever been better. Thank you, Jellico. And then I'd play the other part of it, but I don't. Well, you better be. You better, 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 uh, better get get ready, Matt, because uh, clearly this guy's got no time for honeymoons. He's already said it. Well, I mean, look at this. Like uh, Riker comes in to complain about new, new, new stepdad, and uh, Picard's like, "Are you kidding me right now?" Come. <laughs> he is not. He's open to it. He's just tired. You're all right, sir. Yes, I am. But the last time I had to train like this was for the Academy Marathon. And you can ask but Boothby how that turned out. I'm managing. <laughs> what can I do for you? It's nothing urgent. I'm sorry I bothered you. Good night. I think, like... I do I really like that, that scene. That was great, because he's like, we don't want to do the work. Me, me, me. Jordy's working really hard. And he comes in and sees Picard just fucking exhausted, sweaty as shit, and filthy with holodeck dirt. That's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, oh, we're being babies. <laughs> I don't think he says thinks we're being babies. What do you he's think like, it is? Whatever Picard's got going on, it's... It's something that I can't burden him with this because yeah, I care way about more, him. It's way more important than what we got going on. The, he doesn't know that, but he also knows that he can't put something else no, on No, no, no. I think that he sees that. He, it, it has nothing to do with saying that they're being babies, though. That is, that is an extrapolation on your part. Yeah, and I'm interpreting as such. And I disagree. Because this is I think my, that, this I is think my that impression. He knows, this is my impression of Jordy. Yeah. And and Riker, <laughs> but it's so hard. <laughs> He's dealing with a serious situation where errors are going to be made, and it's gonna it's gonna play out in a really bad situation in the heat of battle. That's what Riker's afraid of, and so he went to see the captain because it was that serious. Riker wouldn't go to the captain if it wasn't that serious, and yeah, he but saw he that the captain was dealing with something equally intense, and he couldn't lay that on his I don't think friend it was and equal. captain. I don't think it was equally intense. Uh-huh. I think it was clearly more intense. Okay, that's why he's covered in sweat. I'd, open the script. I'd love to know what they say in that scene. If there's any like readers or anything like that. 
All right, I'll look it up. Um. Anyway. Five, the shuttle departure coordinates. Did you launch the probe I requested? Yes, sir. I wasn't aware you wanted to be informed. Thank you. Now here's what Riker could have said. Yes, sir. The end. <laughs> no need to color it with. I I didn't know I should tell you. <laughs> this is what it said. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, it has him. Uh, Riker notices the look of utter exhaustion on Picard's face and his disheveled state. Um, you're right, sir. Uh, oh yes, last time I had to train, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The Academy, ma- Academy Marathon, but I'm managing. With effort, Picard stands, not wanting to be seen as weak or tired, but he's almost asleep on his feet. Interestingly, they had him stay down. Mm-hmm. I bet you that was a that was a Patrick Stewart decision. Um, uh, what can I do for you? Riker looks into the exhausted face of his former captain and suddenly decides not to burden Picard with his own problems right now. So. So it was written with the exact intent that you said. Yes. And there's no parenthetical um, Riker's a baby? It's... <laughs> when? Riker's a baby? There's a little drawing. There's a little there. drawing of, of Riker in a That's diaper so next to the, weird next to the line. They wouldn't, I don't understand why they wouldn't say that. It also says Riker exits off Picard's puzzled reaction, which I don't know that uh, Picard plays that that much. It just He just plays it like... Like he's I think he just plays it so like, tired. What a weirdo. What a weirdo baby. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why he's still only a first officer. Captain, I would just like you to know that Commander Riker... I've read your report, Jean-Luc. I know you think highly of him. It's not just my opinion. He's been decorated by Starfleet Command five times. He's been offered his own ship more than once. I think... If you just gave him a chance, you would find him an outstanding officer. Jean-Luc, let's be candid for a moment. I hate fish. The Cardassians <laughs> aren't going to listen to reason, and the Federation Couldn't find a place for it. So I just threw it outside and into the space. Are you um, um, so here's my thing. Right, this this is a great scene. Also. He's already had a conversation with Picard about this. He knows that Picard has huge respect for Riker. I can see he. I can see why he's still only a first officer. This is just patently disrespectful to Picard. Like, even if you think that, why are you saying that to the guy who's already clearly loyal and really likes and respects Riker? It's just like egotistical. It's uh, if you even couch it in. You look, know what? I know Here's you like the, the guy, but Here's I don't. The problem. Kay. You gotta fucking with the Starfleet uniform. You gotta put the ego aside. And even if you're putting it on him for having an ego, doing. I think it. But I don't think he has an ego. I mean, he, obviously he, he has an ego. That's it. If he didn't phrased. have an ego, Matt, then he wouldn't. That's have said, incorrectly I phrased. He I didn't mean said, to say that. He would have said, "I know that you have respect for him, but I find this guy really problematic." But instead, he says, "I can see why he's only still a first officer." It's yeah, like but so then, obnoxious. But what about the part where he looks up and goes, "Whoop." I don't Sorry, <laughs> Captain. Don't seem to remember That's that in the part. script, probably. It's in the script, probably. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, here's some extra lines. This is my impression of Riker. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> says uh, Picard doubles over with laughter. I've noticed that, too. <laughs> they high-five. He's always asking such dumb questions. Like, he clearly knows the answers to. It's like he's doing it for some fourth wall. Um, but so Picard's Jellico's reasoning here though is sound to me 
as he as uh -huh. so here if like here i think if you just gave him a chance you would find him an outstanding officer john luke let's be candid for a moment the cardassians aren't going to listen to reason and the federation isn't going to give in to their demands and the chances are you won't be coming back from this mission of yours I want this ship ready for action, and I don't have time to give Will Riker or anyone else a chance. And forgive me for being blunt, but the Enterprise is mine now. That's completely unnecessary. But he begged forgiveness, and he said he was being blunt. Well, <laughs> here's hoping you beat the odds. It's also sending the guy off to his probable death. Thank you. Jean-Luc. I mean, look. If you don't want the Shakespeare What about book, this? If you don't want the Shakespeare book, you should have had them take it with the fish. What about that? Here's your dirty well, Shakespeare book, the, you that, jackass. That's for the audience. I believe this is yours. Can you get it out of here? You'll find your fish suffocating in the hallway floor. You, you think he had them take it out of the water? Yeah, <laughs> That's so I mean. think he's. I think it's probably in a in a glass of water somewhere in ten forward. Do you think that whoever had to, whoever was charged with removing the fish, like whatever crewman, non enlisted officer, had to take the fish out of the thing, was like, I'm gonna hang on to it, and like <laughs> kept it, like just in case Captain Picard comes back, I'm gonna hang on to it. <laughs> Can you, if, if Picard comes back, can you tell him it's in my quarters and then he should come see me? Finally, <laughs> I'll get a conversation with him. <laughs> Shuttlecraft payment to I think I handed him the Shakespeare the book. Away. I want to reject now him into payment. space. Good luck. Thank you, Enterprise. Picard, wow. Beverly, and Worf look like a mime troupe. Now that we're underway. <laughs> and you're saying the French guy doesn't? <laughs> he seems the most mimey of all. Do you think he picked them? Starfleet intelligence <laughs> believes that the Cardassians are developing a metagenic weapon. Oh my god! I couldn't tell you this before, but I we are going to be the crew on a black box theater production of Our Town. We were selected by Starfleet because we know how to appear as though we're stuck in a box. The Cardassians will not know that we actually have the ability to get out of the box. They will leave us alone because they're like, obviously they're trapped. And we're going to run these mime drills until we get them right. We'll pull a rope, but it won't be a real rope. Genetically engineered viruses that are designed to destroy entire ecosystems. When menogenic toxins are released into a planet's atmosphere, they immediately begin to mutate. They seek out and destroy... Okay, so they're looking for a bioweapon that ultimately doesn't exist. Yep. Uh, and uh, they... Uh, by the way, I imagine this is their, this is their normal clothing. Uh, I, uh, this is what I imagine in this scene. They're really lucky they have the uniforms. They're much better. This black collars are really, I know really popular in the future. Who will not be so forgiving. <laughs> By the way, I like that they do this scene like they expedite this whole thing. And we don't have to watch the whole um, 
on a Ferengi ship, blah, blah, blah. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, totally, totally, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I was, I, like, I was a little surprised having seen it again that I was like, oh, they didn't spend any more time with them. And I was like, we don't need to spend any more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I like that Picard's not getting it done, and then and then uh, Beverly's like, "Oh, I know how to fucking woo this." I do, dumb, but it's still dumb. weird. <laughs> Solak is a very busy, very important man. He isn't here, and he also got the muscle. But I could relay a message. Good. That wharf Please, down. will you tell Damon Solak? That we are interested in transportation. Why not go to Free Cloud? Maybe get a hold of Rupert Crandall? <laughs> Rupert Crandall will get you there. He's the hero of the universe, so we're told. <laughs> What's he look like? I don't know. Never seen him. <laughs> but what a guy. <laughs> oh, Rupert Crandall. I love this. Watch Beverly. Watch the way that Gates McFadden hits the, hits the table with her arm the casual way. Yeah, because she really, I think, gets her arm ready about twenty seconds too early <laughs> in this shot. I don't think he would be interested in dealing with Federation spies. You know, <laughs> just, sort of, just sort of hovers into it. I heard that Solik was also, quite a man. Sort of bad blocking they forced her into too. Yes. She's yeah, and also she casually lean, but she has to kneel first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no why no chair there. I don't know. Yeah. Um. He is an extraordinary man. <laughs> That's why we came here, because only Solak could help us. I guess there's some things even Solak can't do. It's too bad because. If he could, I would be very. <laughs> Picard's just staring at her, and Worf turns his head like, "What is happening?" <laughs> Picard, not understanding sex, very doesn't really know what's going on. Grateful. But he's not Commander Riker. Why would you want to touch him like that? <laughs> when do you want to leave? What, is, what happened once they were on the ship? It's it's weird. Thank God we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there is no time for this. Um, What was I going to say? Is this the first moment that Frankie's ears are suggested to be... No. Sensitive? No. Menage Troy. Oh, I see. Matic talks designed to ease tensions along the border. I think Go the Kardashian ship... Kind you of, said Kardashian uh, again. Kardashian, Kardashian ship uh, looks like the draconian ships from Buck Rogers. FYI, Hang on. which predated Hang. them. Hang on, Secunda. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, no. you recognize that ship? <laughs> I know that ship from something big. <laughs> He's waiting for you in the observation lounge. Very good. I'll be in my ready room. This is the part that, like, how obtuse are Riker and Troy here? Like, hey. it's crazy to me that they don't understand negotiation. It's and, a, like, and the idea of like making someone wait for you, like they don't understand it. 
Well, it's because they've been dealing with Picard, who his whole thing is diffuse the situation. Sure, he's a diplomat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why I don't think he would be great at this mission. Uh-huh. And I don't, I don't dispute that. We're going to get to it. But I, I, I question that he is the right person for the other mission. Oh, for the, I mean, uh, the, the, the rock mission? I'll tell you something else. You could yeah. have had Picard be the captain still and have this guy uh, just deal with the Cardassians. I'll get there. Cardassians. What do you mean? Oh, like well, the Picard, says, on board that, Picard a, says that early. Yeah. In the, sh- in the, to, to, to what, to Admiral Necheyev. Nick Necheyev, yeah. Um, or, no, right, I'm sorry, Riker, Riker says Riker that. Does, Riker yeah. says that. You don't, don't need to give him command. I mean, he can just be here as a. Right. But then they're like, well, we needed to pull, Ry- command. we needed to pull Picard off also, so this seemed logical for us to give him the Enterprise. I mean, thank you, Jellico. I love, love, love that Troy's finally in a uniform. Captain, I, I think there's been a slight miscommunication. You're such a... You you're what we call... Matt, you're what we call an army clown. What does that mean? It's a line from uh, from MASH. That's what they say to Hot Lips Houlihan. Oh. In the movie. Oh. Or wait, maybe they say it to Frank. I don't remember. No, uh, it's, it's Hot Lips Houlihan. Also, by the way, I love that he now has a bunch of framed photos that his son has drawn. <laughs> it does not humanize him in my eyes. No. The observation lounge is appropriate. I see. Lamech is a Cardassian, and Cardassians are like timberwolves, predators, bold in large numbers. Also, be aware here that DS9 is premiering, like, not maybe two or three weeks after this, or maybe three or four weeks after this. I think it premiered in January of 93. And uh, you've decided we're not going to watch it. I haven't decided. This episode mm-hmm. hasn't gone out yet. Remember earlier oh, in this episode when we talked about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> so what? Two different, two different segments of when we recorded. <laughs> Why do you have to tell them that? Why is that problematic? Because they'll be like, oh, my God, they're trying to separate the saucer again. <laughs> well, the so, way you do so it, much, I look like a much, jackass because no like, time has passed. Much like so it's I like we said. had a conversation about half an hour ago, and then I <laughs> because it. one of us knows how to pretend. <laughs> it's the guy who used to teach improv. Apparently, not this guy. Anyways, uh, you you have your own flaws as an improviser. <laughs> oh, I've so I'm not an improviser at all. <laughs> um, but. What I was saying was, sir, I was sort of framing this for you Kay. and people who haven't seen DS9. This episode very heavily is setting up the driving storyline of Deep Space Nine. Right. Uh, so that's sort of why you're getting like this perspective on the Cardassians. That's why you're seeing them with this border dispute situation because the Cardassians, if you know anything about the Cardassians... It's, boy, do they like to dispute a border. Mm. 
So that's that's where this is sort of Jellico's this is where Jellico's speech comes in. Lamech is a Cardassian, and Cardassians are like timberwolves, predators, bold in large numbers, cautious by themselves, and with an instinctive need to establish a dominant position in any social gathering. So you're trying to establish a dominant position by making him wait for you. The trouble with wolves is that sometimes in the fight for dominance, one of them ends up dead. In that case, the trick is to be the wolf that's still standing at the end. That, Unless a zookeeper that, comes in and captures all the wolves. By the way, I mean, that was such a nonsense statement. <laughs> <laughs> Just inherently so nonsensical. Um... Here's my thing. You You're think saying Worf, that you think Worf that Riker is afraid of bats. <laughs> that's a whole other thing we'll get to. Riker, uh, Riker and Troy, you're 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 hitting on them because they don't understand. All you had uh, to do was say, "Oh, this is part of a plan. I'm doing a thing." Yes, but also like they're, I mean, they're so stunned by it that it makes them seem obtuse. Because mm-hmm. it's clear to everyone watching what he's doing i don't know that that's true i th- this is the thing i still think what they're thinking which is is there something terribly wrong with this guy and i think that that's fed by the conversation between Riker and troy where she said he says he he's sure of himself that and, doesn't and happen that doesn't happen till later and and i and i feel like it, that's not really paid off is it what do you mean? I don't remember if it was paid off. That that to me implies, oh, this guy's going to have a meltdown at some point. But he doesn't have a meltdown. He doesn't. That's what I'm saying. That's why, in the end, I'm kind of like, well, who who are we to believe? Because I think Troy is very clearly saying I this think guy we're given, is not in control of himself. But also, like, this is how Troy, you haven't seen it, but in an, I can't spoil things for you. Okay. Troy behaves like this towards Captain Picard. In a in a later episode, uh huh. Okay, very similarly. Do you think it's a Troy flaw? No, I think it's a consistency with the character, for once. Believe it or not, and I think well, Ron Moore wrote both episodes, so. Um, it's an inconsistency in Ron Moore. No, it's a it is a consistency with the oh, character, and I was giving Ron credit. Gotcha. So you think Ron Moore is a terrible writer? Yes. <laughs> we could try to find another way down. Unfortunately, that would take several hours. We don't have the time. You're not afraid of heights, are you, Doctor? Zing! Oh, of hang course on. not. <laughs> you didn't do the bat one. <laughs> I know, because it was so much earlier, and I'm not going back. Alright. <laughs> um, all right. I mean, he does. Uh, but in the case, side note, I really like that. Like, she gives him shit about the bats, and he gives her shit about the Yeah, heights. I liked it, too. It was a nice callback joke. Also, a little thing. I think influenced, but, uh, you know, you can't prove it. Uh, the bats are called Linars, and in Empire Strikes Back, they're called Minox, which is pretty close. Hang on. Secundus <laughs> claimed the fame. 
I know those bats from something big. <laughs> uh, also, I do like how he comes in like a bat out of hell into this meeting. Uh, he's he's speaking of bats. A liner. Uh, I've been waiting here for over I'm an Captain hour. I'm Jellicoe. I believe you know Commander Riker and this is Lieutenant Commander Troy. Let's get to it, shall we? This treatment is a deliberate insult to the Cardassian Union. I have been kept waiting here for over an hour. Then I'm sure you're ready to talk. Who? What? Who? What? What? My bad. Oh, my bad. I did not agree to allow others into this meeting. If it alarms you, I can ask them to leave. I am not alarmed. But we did. A great many people are depending on our efforts here, Guldemek. We don't need to quibble over minutia. I have come to negotiate a Federation withdrawal from the borders, not to be dictated to by some mere captain. I can see you're not serious about these talks. That's, I mean, that's the part, right? That's where he's sort of like, a little, 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 little quiver in the breath. Oh, see, to me, that was the most defensible because I feel like he's clearly putting on an act for Lamech. Yeah, and I think that also that that, sh- that reaction shot of Troy is where she picks that up. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I don't think he has this the whole... I don't think he's unsure of himself the whole time. Yeah. I, uh, think, I, this, he's, this, I think he's this worried. This is the part... I if anything, this, this showed more of the other side, whereas he was acting out of ego because he was insecure. Because he comes out and he's just like, ha-ha, I really got him where I want him. And he's, you know, doing a jig. Oh, right. But I thought that they, the reaction shot... I thought they were deliberately doing this with Troy. Not to be dictated to by some mere captain. I can see you're not serious about these talks. Yeah. If the Cardassian Union truly wishes to discuss peace, they can send someone who can negotiate in a civilized manner. So I think that's where she picks it up. By the way, the other thing I love... That he makes Data say Captain on the bridge every time. That has always <laughs> bothered me about, about TNG. That is a really nice touch. In a civilized that, that manner. He did that. That's a really... That's really a writer thinking through the whole situation yeah. of just like, oh, then th- this would happen. Um, Captain on the bridge. I interpret... This is an interesting thing, and it really is like... Marina Sirtis really had to approach every scene... Um, with this cognizance, it's a really interesting acting challenge of like, if she's standing up and she's given a, a glance at, at Golamek like that, she is either doing it because she's also weirded out or she is doing it because she knows that it's part of his plan and she's playing into it. You know, what's always funny is Frakes, I don't know if he said it on our show or if he's just said it in conversation, but he always said that when he was directing... Uh, Trek, you know, uh, Next Gen, he, and he was in the editing bay, he would always wind up cutting to Marina's reactions uh-huh. because she was always giving a performance. Right. Even during other people's lines. Um, you know, sometimes actors are like, you know, not fully 100% engaged the entire time when they're off camera or someone else is talking and they think their shot's not going to be used. But Marina... Uh, as Jonathan has said, was always good for a reaction shot. And I think it, that one right there is case in point. But it's also a really interesting, I don't know, 
it, to have to play every scene like you know what everyone's feeling. I think it's also it's it's a it's a credit to how they write her. I know we're always slamming how they write her, but it's credit to how they write her, and how probably more over how I she plays it. I think it's more it. a credit to how Marina plays it. It might be how she plays it, but yes. she plays it like a therapist in that she knows what you're feeling, but she's not going to tip that because you may not know what you're feeling yet. Do you, do you go to an empathic therapist uh, who I knows exactly what you're feeling? More of one. That's crazy. Did I say like a therapist? Yes. Well, I said what the men. What I meant by like a therapist, they don't necessarily. Even if they are like, oh, this is obviously what's going on with this person, they don't necessarily say your problem is your blah blah blah. I mean, look at look at look at Frank's. He seems to be really enjoying Ronnie Cox. Honestly, like there's a couple <laughs> shots of him where he's like really, like almost delighted by Co- Ronnie Cox's performance. It actually happens in there when he stands up. So if you watch him, when he gets up like that, Frakes almost breaks. Uh When, uh... So watch when uh, Jellico gets up. Tainted too by some mere captain. (laughs) (laughs) He has a hint of a smile. Yeah, well, he now he is he's decided that Riker is in on the bet. So Riker likes a scam. (laughs) <laughs> Tell him I'm a loose cannon and that he needs to be more reasonable because I'm such an unreasonable man. Lamech will want to bring his own aides on board. Pretend to be worried that I'll object and then give grudging permission for two aides. No more. Understood? Aye, sir. Aye, sir. Well, I'll say this for him. He's sure of himself. No, he's not. Um, See, I really thought after that that he was going to blow a gasket at some point. Uh, Jellico? Jellico. Uh, oh, was going to Jellicrack. My aides, Glenn Korak and Glenn Tajor. Welcome aboard. It goes all the way to the other end of a curved conference table. It's following the curve of the ship. For the past three weeks, you've been massing troops in staging areas, assembling strike forces and pulling ships from their normal patrols. We will not stand for this clearly provocative behavior. I see the Federation spy network has again provided you with faulty information. We are conducting routine training operations, nothing more. Then I'm sure you won't mind if we send a few starships into this sector for our own training operations. Your fleet deployments do not concern us. Jump ahead. But an attempt would almost certainly fail. And even if it's... Then there's no need for worry. A brief recess would seem to be in order. Very well. Where Side is note. Captain Picard? Reassigned. Well, I hope his new assignment is not too dangerous. It would be a shame if something were to happen to such a, uh, such a noted officer. Yes. It would. So. Where's your side note? What was your side note? I had a couple of side notes. Side note number one the Cardassian makeup is fantastic. Westmore. 
Uh, Ron Westmore. Just. It's just, it's menacing. It allows the actor to have expressions. Like, you can see why they were the ones that were that were sort of expanded on. Also, the characterization of the Cardassians. Also, great job on Ron Moore's part. Uh, really, really great. Um, and I would go further and say John Durbin, who's playing uh, Lamech, is a really great Cardassian. Really nice you know sinister but but controlled performance uh i wanted him to have a claim to fame but he didn't have one for me um does he come back this the john durbin as as a cardassian or is this uh not to my memory i don't think he does um i think he might come back as other characters yeah he does um a bunch of uh oh he was also in uh, lonely among us that's in the future i think uh, he's got a cozy in a Voyager too, um, but uh, last thing I'll say, uh, I think I think that would have been my species. I thought I thought maybe maybe Romulan would be a good one for me, and I stand by that. But I think I think more Cardassian. I think I got the bone structure for a Cardassian. <laughs> oh, like to be made up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a long enough neck for sure. Yeah, uh, I used to think as a child I'll never be a Cardassian. I don't have a long enough neck. And, uh, Which, who do you think you, what species do you true. think you would be Packlet <laughs> come on you can be a Klingon oh Packlet <laughs> you're nice in her suit like a Klingon uh, well it depends on which Klingons right <laughs> so true uh, Andy I've lost the page but I was going to read some very interesting stuff from Dr. Trek's book from Larry Nemechek's Star Trek Next Generation Companion revised edition available at the I- Kindle store I call him Doc Trek. Dr. Trek himself. Uh, let me just real quick here, pop this back open so I can read what I was going to read. Uh, Moore said, Rod, Ron Moore said he took most interest in developing Jellico. Uh, to make Jellico a mix of personable as well as irritating and just different qualities, Moore added aspects such as displaying his son's art and ditching Livingston, the ready room fish. So cold. Though he played it more harshly than intended. Uh, sorry, <laughs> though it though it played more harshly than intended. A scene cut to save time, similar to one revealing his early warmth to Riker, had Jellico tell Geordi that he'd played rugby at the academy with the chief engineer of the Zambada from the USS Victory. But again, the man who'd helped negotiate the Cardassian United Federation of Planets armistice only two years uh, earlier also carried a captain on the bridge formality and ordered get it done his own catch line contrasting Picard's make it so it's really smart writing another contrast with Picard Jellico's request that Troy wear a standard uniform while on duty made good on a goal that Moore had wanted to try and Sirtis was all too happy to oblige with the disliked cheerleader scant uniform from the pilot a dim memory she began here to alternate the standard uniform and her other outfits in future episodes. Is it ever called out, or is it just she's just in this uniform and that's it? She's a, well, she's a, she also like gets like the she has she's in multiple uniforms, meaning like she's in this uniform and her and her like blue long dressy one, uh-huh. and the uh, couple. Uh, I, I, the purple one, I feel like, shows up very 
few times afterwards, the one that she's in earlier in this episode. Do you think that maybe we're, there's an, we could infer that after this, she's like, well, that guy was a dick about the uniform. But at the same time, maybe uh, Captain Picard is just being polite and he really would prefer I be in a uniform too. So I'm going to be in a uniform out of respect for Maybe. Picard. And then wait till she gets promoted to commander. It's great. Uh, Ronnie Cox, who these days puts more time to his love of country music than acting, once played nice guys on the short-lived Apple's Way and Cop Rock. <laughs> huh. He was also the, he was, he was Axel Foley's captain in Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, come on. We all know him from RoboCop. Let's be honest. He was, yeah, he was good in that. Uh, Who cared if it worked? <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's just get back in. Beaches. Uh, okay, so there, da, 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 it's a trap, blah, blah, blah. I really was, like, speeding through. I'm going to speed through this part just because it's a lot of action and not talky. <laughs> uh... Unlike us, who are very talky. All right, let's back this up. All right. Captain on the bridge. Where it's interesting the data doesn't even have to look. I'm not sure. We're picking up a lot of coded messages from a Cardassian planet near the border. Which planet? Seltris 3. Can you detect any theta band subspace emissions coming from Seltris? There are some residual traces. Seems that there were emissions up until a few minutes ago. <sighs> Open a secure channel to Admiral Nechev. Priority two, put it through to my ready room, Vice sir. Hmm, priority two. <laughs> priority two, not But priority I mean, one. I do like this, like, color. Like, he's concerned. Riker? I, 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 uh, oh, Jellico. Look at that friggin' plant he's got in there. He's getting rid of the fish. He still wants it to look like a dentist's office. Those emissions you were so concerned about have just stopped. I'd say one way or another our friends have finished their task. Have you heard from our friends? No. Let me know if you do. I would very much like to see them again. So also, I've been from. replaced by a robot. <laughs> or a hologram. <laughs> this is a hologram. Turn me off when you leave. This, this is my priority two hologram. <laughs> you should prove an interesting challenge. Possibly the most interesting to come through that door in many years. What do you want? By you, of course. Picard. Jean-Luc. Serial number. SP-937-1. Credit rating. Six. <laughs> Picard, get it together. <laughs> Formerly captain of the Stargazer, where you conducted extensive studies on Theta Bam's subspace carrier waves. Adept at the Tin Whistle. How could we have designed a lure for the captain of the Federation flagship unless we knew something about his background? 
so you concocted an elaborate ruse to bring me here. Why not just Why? host a wine this competition? Room, you do not ask questions. <laughs> I ask them, you answer. If I am not satisfied with your answers, you will die. <gasps> And that's the cliffhanger to be continued. Will he answer uh, the questions? Eh, some. I mean, first of all, if Jellico's handing out the MVC, it's certainly not Jordy or Riker. Seriously. <laughs> Andy, who do you think the MVC is of this episode? It's tough because the ramifications of everything kind of don't play out yet. Yep, that's true. Um, huh. I mean, I would agree with you that it's hard to say. I mean, Data does seem to do his job the most efficiently. Yeah, um, and I think in an episode where there is no, like, you really don't have... A conclusion. Right. Operating under who literally is the most valuable crew member to have around. Right. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I think we can give it to Data for Chain of Command Part 1. Just trying to think. Is there anybody in the... Uh... Oh, here's one. Yeah. How about Beverly making the command decision to uh, take... She overrules Worf and says, let's go. He's already lost. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty badass, especially for Beverly with her relationship with Picard. Well, I think at the end of the day, she's a Starfleet officer. Uh huh. So unlike some people we know, where where Riker, uh, <laughs> she would do her job. <laughs> On the other hand, are is Picard more important than either of them? And really, they should have hung around the tunnels and seen if there was a a moment they could. Uh, they should, have they should have they should have killed him with a phaser rather than let the hands <laughs> fall into the Cardassian. So amazing. <laughs> it would have been such a crazy turn for the show. <laughs> um huh. Uh Yeah, I don't know. Do you have one in mind? Data. You say data? Yeah. Data. I think it's the easiest thing to do. We'll see next week, you know, what happens, but Right. Just trying to think if anybody does anything in the ground mission, but it's all a trap, so it's sort of hard. Yeah, yeah. I I'll, guess tell, you, I'll say, tell you who's not the MVC, a hundred percent. Admiral Nechayev. No way. She's not. Although you could, <laughs> she's you not love, the MVC. You love Jellico, so she did. Uh, yeah, she did but also like Jellico. she fell for this bullshit trap. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll say Data too. All right, and now it's time to see. We sit and watch and then we hang and talk But the podcast isn't over just yet How many Andy's does this episode get? Well, I, I, it really, this guy really bothered me <laughs> So it's very interesting to hear your perspective coming in um, And he definitely hit all my buttons um, But uh, what a well-written character And a well-performed character by uh, Ronnie Cox And... Uh, Really, just really interesting episode and seeing everybody react and 
Um, I'm a little bit light on the on the ground situation, on the stuff that goes on on the planet. And I, I never really got into... To me, it's insanity that it's a mission of this importance and they have Beverly, Picard, and... You know, theoretically, Worf would be the only one that was competent to do it. <laughs> but they do, they know do about explain Worf. that. They explain that nicely, I thought. What do they say? This stuff about the theta waves? You're, I'm here because of my expertise in theta, theta band emissions. Yeah. Worf, you're here, obviously, for obvious reasons. And Beverly, you're here to neutralize any bio blah, blah, blah. We I come still in feel like with. if you're so going to send have, these people down. They have someone who used to run Starfleet Medical. Uh-huh. The captain of the flagship and the chief security officer of the flagship of the Federation. I but think that ultimately, before if had Section Thirty One been invented at this point, but it wasn't. The Deep Space Nine writers came up with that. That would have been a Section Thirty One thing. But seeing as this, it, although obviously it was it was in existence, but the no the I guess I'm saying I mean, minimally, technically, canonically, it was sure. Minimally, I feel like I would have bought it a little bit more if it was like, okay, you're going along with these, you know, highly trained elite, you know, people that are like a, a strike team, and then they get killed. Like I would have bought it a little bit more. Um, but uh, but overall, I'm just really enjoyable. Uh, I give it a an eight point five. Uh, I give this one a nine. Yeah, uh, it's such a great, such a great thing. It's nine, maybe nine and a half. I mean, it's it's a nine, and I mean, I'm gonna go yeah, nine and a half. Between. I'm going nine point five on it. Oh, well, I'm gonna go to a nine. So how that's dare you? I'm a ten. I'm a ten on it. I'm gonna go to a ten and a half. That's oh, my shit. final offer. <laughs> no, no so Brad Arrington does not pull his hair out. Yes, I'm with the nine. It's a nine point five. Uh, the what takes the f- point five away from me is a lot okay. of what Andy's talking about. It's that it's that it's that B story. Like I understand that we have to seed this. Uh, we have to seed it with like getting Picard to where we need to get Picard for part two. Yeah. So like they have to construct the story to work in that sense, um, and because of that, I. F- but it's also like. I'm not I'm not really on board with a lot of it, just like right. Andy. Like the action is like okay, and you know, it is also like why why these three? Okay, all right. Yeah. I mean, you do explain <laughs> it. At least you try to explain it. Uh, so yeah. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so that's what that's what takes it down to nine five for me. But I'll be interested to see what we do with the chain of command part deuce. Yep. Speaking of chain of command part deuce, Andy, it's uh, time to watch. The trailer for Chain of Command, Part 2. Let's pull that up. See who can type faster. And that's Andy. Part. All right, got it. Part. Oh, so, so, he's so quick. He's like the data of oh, trailers. Man. Yeah. Hey, I'll work for two days. I don't care. There Whatever you go. go. There's my kind of, there's my kind of Andy. Sorry, Commander <laughs> Secunda. Uh... All right, uh, let's hit play. Three, two, one, play. Held captive as a prisoner of war, Picard must endure the cruelest punishment imaginable. 
cannot just abandon him. He's gone. Will torture leave him a forgotten casualty of war? I can't believe you're willing to sacrifice Captain Picard's life as a negotiation test. Are you questioning my judgment, Commander? Or can he survive the most brutal test of courage in his life? You cannot hurt me! On Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, boy. His torture clothes are remarkably similar to his comfy pajamas. Yeah, I think that's just like, you don't want to be horrible to him. <laughs> you want to at least give him some comfort. Uh, yeah, I guess then uh, I have to say this. Well, it's in the now. It's in the wrong. It's in the wrong place because of the stuff we did at the very beginning of the episode uh. of uh, Voyager. <laughs> I think I don't remember. Yeah, hey, yeah. Matt, will Andy enjoy this episode? I think he's really gonna like it and really come around on Jellico. <laughs> and now, guess Andy's ranking. It's definitely gonna be about a nine out of ten. Uh, all right. That does I it for remember us. Remember what you predicted for last week? Me either. That's the fun of it. Brad will tally it. Um. All right. Fun episode. Long episode. I hope Rough you, episode. Hope you all warmed up those podcast machines. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, you are someone who likes all the extra crap, boy, did you like this episode? If what you. Are is this an hour 44 on just the episode? Crazy. It's an hour 44 plus 50-something. 50 58. Wow. Yeah. It's a three-hour episode, essentially. Boy, this is I only hope, part one of a two-parter. I hope you're running at uh, full uh, 15% more efficient on your podcast machines. We can't do that. Oh, I think you can. <laughs> uh, maybe you just uh, work around the clock for two days, you dum-dums. Well, I'm Riker. <laughs> Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.